Good afternoon, good evening, good whatever. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Hoops Hall on a Sunday edition. I am your host, Dave McHugh. We are presenting this show live from the D from D3Hoops.com, presenting sponsor from the WBCA NABC Studios. We appreciate you taking the time to tune in and enjoy the show. We are in the final week of the regular season. That's the facts. Almost every conference will crown a AQ, an automatic bid, to the NCAA tournament by the end of this week. A week from tonight, we will be on air at this point already selecting teams who we think are in and out of the tournament. But the AQs will be done. Uh, 86 of them will be punched by this point in a week. We already have one. The Wash U men's basketball team has clinched the UAA championship. Thanks in part to Case Western Reserve, who defeated um, Rochester today. Rochester almost kind of doing what they did last year, stumbling to the finish line. The difference is Rochester's in a little bit better shape than they were last year at this time, but stumbling all the same. Stumbling, a stumbling, a stumbling. It is not pretty. If you are a Rochester fan, you may be just a wee bit nervous. But I think you're still in the NCAA tournament, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, so, sure, we shall see what happens. But congrats to the Wash U Bears, the men's basketball team, first to clinch an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament and the first to put someone officially on the Pool C bid, and that would be Rochester. Uh, granted, maybe the second to put someone on the Pool C bid, Amherst is in that Pool C mix as well after Wesleyan defeated them in the NESCAC quarterfinals on Saturday. I kind of said that I thought the Amherst-Wesleyan game was a play-to-make-it-to-the-NCAA-tournament-type game, especially for Williams. I think I may have accidentally said Wesleyan there. Williams versus Amherst was essentially a uh, play-in game. I think Amherst is still in much better shape, despite the loss, than, Wes, uh, than Williams would have been. I think Williams would have been out. I think Williams has to get to the championship game to have a chance. Um, Wesleyan is now, I think, a little bit more on the bubble as well. But maybe Amherst is uh, Amherst is certainly on the bubble. They've got a really strong SOS. Their current results versus regionally ranked opponents is very strong. Um, but I don't know how the committee is truly reading into those numbers. Um, I think there's been a slight change with that. I kind of got a little bit more information over the weekend. You know, that 0.03 equals two games is certainly a lock. We know that. But if you have a 0.029 SOS, it's not gonna, they're not going to give you two games. And I think we've always known this. If it's a 0.015 or a 0.045, they're not going to give you one or three games. 0.06 kind of equals four games, but after that, it's, it's a mute point. So... Amherst is going to have some strong SOS numbers against some teams, but it doesn't sound like at some point, it doesn't sound like that strength is going to be the big weight. And I'm curious on how that's going to affect the NESCAC with some strong numbers. But Amherst now on that Pool C bubble, Rochester on that Pool C bubble of the two. Rochester's in for sure. We will see about Amherst. We will see. Um, Brandeis men hit a school record 17 three-pointers. Thanks, Alan, for that uh, that news bit. Almost defeated Wash U. That came down. It was a four-point win by the Bears over the judges. I watched a little bit of the end of that. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I, it's tough to win the Sunday game, as I am always told in the UAA, and I agree. 
it is always tough to play that Sunday game, uh, especially on the road. Um, and for the Bears, it's nearly cost them a few times. It did cost them against Rochester last weekend. But a good win for them over Brandeis, who certainly was out to try and get the upset. If they had won that, we'd be going to the end of the season and they'd be one of the last automatic qualifiers to be crowned. But instead, the WashU Bears get that AQ. They will move on. I'm sure lots of people want to know, will they be hosting? The true answer to that is we don't know, but I don't think so. That said, well, and I don't think so because the women are in position, plain and simple. The women WashU team is second in the regional rankings. They stay there, they'll be hosting, which means the men will be on the road, plain and simple. Now, whether the men deserve it or not is sadly irrelevant to the fact that the women has also deserve it and women will get first rights. In an odd year, the women have the rights in the first weekend and the men have the rights in the second weekend. And thus, being an odd year, in the sense of 2017, WashU men will be on the road the opening weekend, unless something crazy happens on the women's side, which I just do not see. So Alan's uh, communicating with us via our Facebook simulcast. We are live on YouTube via d3hoopsville.com and d3hoops.com. You are watching us there. We appreciate you taking the time. I just remembered something unfortunate that we did not drag over a link, and so we will do so now to the uh, front page of D3 Hoopsville. No big deal. We'll get that taken care of momentarily. But if you're also watching us on the simulcast, you can certainly ask us your questions there. We will certainly try and answer them in the quickest manner we can. In the meantime, you can also ask questions on the YouTube chat room. But again, we're monitoring everything, so it may take us time to get there. Bear with us. We will do our best. Honestly, the easiest way to ask us questions is to email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or tweet us at d3hoopsville, or use the hashtag hoopsville. Those are the easiest ways to get a hold of us, and we certainly appreciate you taking the time to ask questions. Right now, we do not have any questions for our Hoopsville mailbag segment that I'm aware of. I will double-check. But um, if you want one for the Hoopsville mailbag segment on this show while it's live, send them our way. And if you're watching the on-demand or listening to the podcast, send your questions. We'll answer them on Thursday's show. Uh, tonight's show, as it normally is, will cover the Northeast, the Atlantic, the South, and the Central regions. The caveat to that is, um, on Thursday, we would normally do that as well. However, I am looking to maybe change it up on Thursday just because we're in the middle of of uh, the conference tournaments, there may be other important information to get to. However, I will also say that um, this is our last Sunday doing this group of four. We will go with whoever we feel is the necessary guest next week on Sunday's selection special. We are looking to air that live. We will be finalizing those details, or air that live earlier in the day. Uh, We will finalize those details uh, early this week. Um, looking to start as early as 4 p.m. Eastern time. We normally have started about 6 p.m. and gone well into the evening. I think we're going to try and start a little bit earlier just to give ourselves a little bit more time and get more of you involved as well. So look for the show to start at 4, and we'll try and talk to some guests. But to confirm that, follow us on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville, Instagram, at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville, and Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Let's talk about the guests that we have on tonight's program. Um... Mainly guests that are in a position to try and get into the NCAA tournament or do something in their conference tournaments. 
We'll start off with Maya Smith, Illinois Wesleyan women's head coach. They are sitting second in the conference, still with a chance to tie for first. I'm not 100% sure how the tiebreakers might break down from there. I can only keep so many tiebreakers in my head. Um, but they've got a game coming up on Tuesday before the conference tournament. We'll talk to Maya Smith about their ability to possibly catch Wheaton. And more importantly, can they get in the NCAA tournament as an at-large if they need it? Stan Bonowitz from Concordia, Texas men's basketball will join us. They took a tough loss to Harden-Simmons uh, this week, but they're still in the mix. Remember, they were the second-ranked team in the South region. Not sure how far they may switch. They'll at least fall to third because I think Harden-Simmons will move ahead of them. But what can they do in the ASC tournament to possibly get in themselves? It's being played at Letourneau. There are three ASC teams that are trying to get into the NCAA tournament at least what we see on the regional rankings. Obviously, everybody involved is trying to get into the tournament. We'll talk to Coach uh, Bonowitz coming up about his team. In women's basketball, Matt Desharm will join us. So Mass Dartmouth, their team set a record for wins in a season, but they're second in their conference. In reality, they're the third seed because of tiebreakers. We'll talk to Coach Desharm about the chances of getting into the tournament, which looks pretty decent. But on the flip side of that, at the same time, do they need to go win the AQ? And what's it like to win the most games in regular season history? We'll talk to him coming up. Andrea Kendall joins us from Randolph Women's Basketball. They're our WBCA Center Court honoree. Believe it or not, it came down to one simple thing. She was about to go to the Navy and enlist and be, go to the Naval Academy. A phone call came in. How it has completely changed her life since then. We'll talk to her about that and some other fateful phone calls in her life that have altered the course of what she's doing and now that she's coaching at Randolph. And then Tim McDonald for Cabrini will join us, the number two team in the CSAC. Can they get past what is now a nemesis in Newman? They are 3-5 and five in the last couple of years against Newman. If they can get past Newman or at least stay in well-positioned in the Atlantic region, they've got a chance, although a tough chance, but they've got a chance excuse me, to get into the tournament for the first time since uh, 2014, I believe. So we'll talk to him about that. So lots to talk about here, and we hope you will take the time to join us. If you got questions, again, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We will try and answer your questions at all times. A reminder, we are looking to be back on the air on Wednesday afternoon. After the third regional rankings come out. Now, normally in past years, the third regional rankings have been the final ones that we get to see. They still are the final ones we get to see before the brackets, but they aren't the final regional rankings. We will get the chance to see the week four ones, the very, very final week um, rankings after those brackets are released in a little over a week. However, um, these are the last public ones that we get to base a lot of our information on. Just as a heads up, the committee will do one more round. Uh, the RACs will do one more round of regional rankings next Sunday morning. And the National Committee will make any changes that needs to be made. They will recycle the results versus regionally ranked opponents again and re-rank from there for their final selection rankings. A note that I need to clear up, and we'll clear it up often. For some reason, for the past two seasons, we've been under, and I've been under the impression that they have the last two weeks of regional rankings when looking at those uh, results versus when it comes to selections. It turns out that is not true. We do not know where that came from, confusion-wise. It very well could have been that that's where the NCAA was headed. They are headed there next year. 
Um, but somehow we were under the impression they were there last year. Turns out they are not. They are basically looking at just the previous weeks. So here's how that affects things. Weeks three's regional rankings will, the results versus regionally ranked opponents, will be the numbers that the racks will use on Sunday morning. The National Committee will use those same numbers when they get the racks decisions and make any adjustments they do they deem needed. When they redo the results versus regionally ranked opponents, it will be now based on week fours, and that will lead towards the ranking. So week three doesn't technically have a play at the very end. However, it is a portal to the selection rankings, and so it's very important. It also gives us a chance to understand truly who may be on bubbles and, for example, Amherst, where they may be sitting um, when it comes to the Northeast region and how that could affect things. And we'll look at the Atlantic regions, another great example of understanding what's going on. Will Ramapo play blocker? Will Newman and Cabrini with their SOSs, last I checked, just slightly above 500? Will they be in an okay position to possibly make the tournament? Uh, looking at SOS numbers again in the Atlantic region, uh, Newman's SOS right now is a 503. Ramapo's a 491. Cabrini's moved up to a 522. So we'll keep an eye on all that and see how it plays out. Um, so lots to cover here. And if you've got questions, we want to hear from you. Hands off, by the way, to Babson, who uh, had to withstand a, a tough battle last night or a Saturday afternoon. He hit a three in the corner for the winner from the feed from Joey Flannery. Everyone thought Joey would go for the win. The commentator even said Superman had put on his cape. Turns out, more likely, Superman found a counterpart, maybe Batman, let's call him, in the corner who nailed a three for the win. Babson has been a second-half team. I did not have time to do it before today's game and uh, or show. We'll try and do it in the future. But they have been a team that can be down double digits at halftime and come roaring back for the win. Could it cost them? Of course it could. It absolutely could cost them. But it's been fun to watch in the meantime. Uh, a couple other news and notes. Uh, we had a couple forfeits this uh, NCAA tournament time. Um, one of them was not understood. It's in the CUNYAC. Right seemed to be maybe when the team was leaving to take off for their game. Gave John Jay, I think it was John Jay advanced as a result. I could be darn, I could be wrong on who it was. Maybe it was John Jay who had the forfeit, but it was a little odd. The second one forfeit, second forfeit came in the end of the regular season game on Saturday. Southern Vermont at Daniel Webster. If you have not seen the video, you may be one of the few because it is certainly making its ways around the internet. Viral would be a good statement for describing it. Um, basically, what happened was it was, I think, early in the second half, and players had come together and for a loose ball. There was some usual pushing and shoving, as apparently we've lost our camera shot. Well, isn't that nice to happen as we hit the show? We will hopefully get that back. Bear with us here. We're going to go to the video, though. And here's what happened in the Daniel Webster Southern Vermont game. You see the scuffle? Player pointing at another, and then Colcox, the guy, and then comes over and stomps him in the face. There was a police officer on scene just due to the fact that that's what he was doing, his job. As we uh, have lost video, so bear with us as we're going to go to uh, 
Just a nice picture of our logo while I try and figure this out. Quickly about the Daniel Webster game, though. Officer was on duty and proceeded to arrest the gentleman for the punch. A woman came out of the stands and interfered, so she was arrested. Another student athlete for Daniel Webster was apparently inciting the crowd, according to the police report, encouraging them to surround the police officer. The police officer decided to call for some backup, and 24 additional officers showed up to clear the scene. Daniel Webster forfeited the game. It was Daniel Webster's last home game, last game of its program's history as uh, the ITT Tech-owned school is closing its doors. Interesting enough, that is the first loss, technically, for Daniel Webster at home this season. From what we've been told from reports, the Daniel Webster, um, the Daniel Webster player has been charged with second-degree assault. The Southern Vermont coach has contacted me and said that he is proud of his team's reactions uh, and how they kept their heads. And that his student-athlete is okay, though he is still being evaluated. Certainly not what we love in Division Three, but it has certainly garnered some attention. Nonetheless, we will keep an eye out on what's going on with that story and figure out what's going on as time moves on. But a craziness nonetheless in uh, Division Three basketball that we certainly don't love, but happened nonetheless. Camera shot appears to be back. We'll keep an eye on that. Our computer has been showing some age, which is a wonderful segment, right, segue right into our, our uh, fundraising efforts. Um, we have clicked over 10% of our way to our goal, which is great to hear. The problem is we are not looking to get just 10% of our goal. We're looking to surpass it and by a significant margin. If you could be so kind as to consider helping us by donating the Hoopsville fundraiser, we would certainly appreciate it. Technically, the fundraiser has nine days left in it. We do not want to extend it. If we extend it, it takes us longer to get some of the financing and thus pay off some of the bills that we need to pay off by the end of the regular season. And our trip to Salem has got some costs involved. We would hope you would consider helping us um, at least look at giving a donation. We're not asking for a lot. If a lot of you give a little, it goes just as far as one donation that is a lot. So please consider helping us out. We'll try and remind you throughout the show, and we will be peppering social media this week as we close out the last 10 days of this campaign. Please consider helping. Our donation, our our goal seems a little high, but it's one that we have hit before. We've hit our goals the last three years. We hope you'll consider hitting our goal another time. Um, so on that note, we're going to keep going. But yes, uh, I got a note from Alan that the Daniel Webster story hit the Boston Globe, it hit every newspaper, it hit every news agency. We've been contacted by several because of the video. And I will tell you now, the video was given to us by somebody who was given to them. So we kind of got it around through the systems, as it were, thus why the video quality is a little bit worse than you would expect. Um, and obviously, being Daniel Webster is a New England school, no surprise the Boston Globe also picked up on that story. So yeah, that story was definitely picked up. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue Hoopsville. We're going to talk to our first guest, who is Maya Smith, head coach of Illinois Wesleyan Women's Basketball. The team is in the hunt for the top seed in the conference, though I don't know the tiebreakers. They'd certainly love to finish that high if Wheaton can lose and they can win on Tuesday. But they're more importantly in the hunt for the NCAA tournament. We'll talk to Maya Smith coming up here 
on Hoopsville. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying this Sunday night edition. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. If you get any questions sooner, we'll try and get them in later on the Hoopsville mailbag segment. Of course, Hoopsville presented by the WBCA, NABC, and D3Hoops.com. I want to thank them for their partnership. We'll have the WBCA Center Court segment coming up a little bit later in the program. One of the most interesting races going on in the country, especially in women's basketball, is the CCIW race. And, of course, it's almost like the uh, the schedulers planned this one out in the end. Wheaton's got a one-game lead on Illinois Wesleyan, who's got a two-game lead on Elmerson Augustana, who are tied for third at 10-5. and five. So the only thing left in question pretty much at this point, we know who the top four are going to be playing in the playoffs. question is, who's going to host? Is it going to be Wheaton or is it going to be Illinois Wesleyan? Illinois Wesleyan a game back, and the two teams face each other. On Tuesday, another interesting twist in the CCIW, leaving the regular season a little bit later before the conference tournament, leaving less of a gap between the two. So we figured we'd want to talk this over. And so joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville hotline uh, is the head coach of Illinois Wesleyan. It is Maya Smith. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. Glad to be here. Uh, apparently our technical difficulties continue. She's fine. I'm not. We'll figure it out. Don't worry, folks. Uh, Coach, you, you, yeah, like I said, you've got to be pretty thrilled with how this has progressed for you guys. Um, you've gotten to a point where you're in the fight here um, and just have to basically finish it off at this point. But it's a tough game against Wheaton. So there's, this, this is kind of both exciting and nerve-wracking all at the same time. 
It is. It's very exciting. And uh, it's been a really good ride for our girls and our fans. So we're excited about heading up to week nine Tuesday. And we've been playing some great basketball. So it's going to be a fun time. Um, when you look at at what you have to accomplish in this game, obviously Wheaton is on top by a game. You've got a win over them already, so conceivably you can, uh, you know, with a win against them, you'll get the tiebreaker. Is it almost a, a, a almost a pre CCI tournament game in that sense? Do you have to take that approach almost that you have to, to almost win this to keep winning? If that makes any sense. Well, our goal is to keep winning, and at this point in time in the season, you cannot leave anything to the NCAA at large pools. So we're <laughs> going to try to take care of things ourselves, and uh, we know how much weight that the Wheaton game has, and so we'll be trying our best. It's going to be a tough place to play in, but we played very well against them here and actually had a lot larger lead until we lost Rebecca Ayersman, uh to foul trouble. So, And then got a nice three-pointer at the end by Amanda Kelly to the go-ahead one-point win. Yeah, uh, not that you're leaving it to the end. I would never say that, but you certainly <laughs> made it more interesting, to say the least. When you when you looked at this schedule, did you kind of look at that last game? I mean, we're talking at the beginning of the season. Did you look at that last game and go, yeah, that's kind of got the writing on the wall already? A little bit. I, you know, the CCIW is a tough, tough conference. In fact, I think that the CCIW is the toughest conference to play in. And certainly, when you look at the schools that when our own coaches ranked those schools, Wheaton was ranked number one, we were ranked number two. And then to look at the end of that schedule and see that final game there, it does put a little bit more of a clear picture on it. Yeah, Wheaton's been kind of the top of the conference since, uh, and I don't mean this in any disrespect, but since you guys vacated that spot exactly. uh, after you've not had it for a couple of years. So it's almost kind of a, a, a return of the tide, as it were. Wheaton's been up there since you've been there. Now you're kind of returning to the mix. And all the while, you know, you've got others who are just nipping at your heels a little bit. I mean, Elmer's has had a tremendous season this year. Augustana has had a great season. Uh, Carthage and, and North Central above 500. Most of the conference has been pretty competitive. It's been a fascinating year this year. It absolutely has. And I tell you, you cannot take any team in the CCIW for granted. There are no guaranteed wins. you got to go out and play every game as if it's your very last game and make sure you get that win. This might seem like an odd question, but has there been a surprise in the CCIW this year? I do think that Augustana has uh, proved themselves to be better than what they were predicted to be. Um, I think their their style of play is actually doing really well. Hang on a second. <laughs> let me grab that. <laughs> there we go. you got to love the auto lights. <laughs> That's right. Um, I think they're doing, doing a very good job, and I do think that uh, Elmhurst probably has surprised a few teams as well. Yeah, and interesting enough, they're the four who will be in the conference tournament. The other thing, too, interesting is the conference goes a little later this year. They, they close that gap. Instead of having, what, about five or six days between conference season ending and conference tournament beginning, they throw this game later in the season. A fan of that plan? Um, I actually am okay with it. And the reason why I'm okay with it is because we've added Carol to the mm -hmm. schedule into our conference. And that actually helps you schedule your season in advance a little easier Instead of having to play 11 non-conference games, mm -hmm. we're now playing nine, and that's a lot easier to schedule than 11. So I guess I don't mind playing a little bit later since we have the two guaranteed extra games. Sure. No, that makes complete sense to me. Um, you don't. It gives you a little bit less wiggle room. My only concern is if you need to make up this Tuesday game, you're certainly in a little bit less 
buying to do that. But, I mean, that's probably going to be once in a blue moon type scenario. Um, what's interesting, I find, is you're also in position, certainly, to make the NCAA tournament highly ranked at number three um, in the regional rankings with a very strong SOS. I mean, you went out there and played a who's who in the non-conference season. Tapped into the IAC with Luther. You played the the, y, the Wyack and Stevens Point and Whitewater. Played Wash U. Granted, that was in a tournament that could have gone either way. Um, obviously, you have you tapped in and played Chicago as well and won that one in, in rather um, strong fashion. You even played Thomas Moore along with the conference. Do you feel that no matter what happens the rest of this week, that you can be comfortable with a chance of making the NCAA tournament, or do you still have business to do in the eyes of the of the NCAA? Well, I think we've definitely played a tough enough schedule, and our losses this year, you know, we have eight losses, I believe, right now, and out of our eight losses, hardly any of those are big losses. Yeah. And, you know, we played Thomas Moore, I think, to a four-point game. Um, we did blast Chicago. Um, you know, we're, we're playing some great basketball. But never, ever will I trust the NCAA for an at-large bid. So I think we've got to go out and take care of business as, as we need to. And that's against Wheaton come Tuesday night. And then we definitely need to win that conference tournament. It'd be great to host it here. Unfortunately, our men are out of the tournament playoffs. So we would have a huge, huge crowd. I think a lot of people think this would be a great place to have the CCIW tournament. Sure, I can I can understand that entirely. Yeah, unfortunately, the men uh, struggled uh, near the end and, and won't be able to make it themselves. Um, what I also find interesting is and I couldn't believe this was accurate. The last time you guys were in the NCAA tournament, you were the national champs in 2012. We haven't seen you back since. We got so used to the Titans being in the tournament that I that I I was a little bit dumbstruck at the fact that we haven't seen you back. What's the last four or five seasons been like? It's, it's been difficult to know that after the end of February, you're done yeah. and you're almost at a loss with what to do with yourself. So, and you know, part of that is, is that they, the NCA has only taken one team from the CCIW in the last four or five years, which is, it's that's hard for me to understand because especially when it's the number one team in the in the United States. Well, that's the question I have is is has this been a conference where the bottom and middle just haven't been as competitive as it has been in the past, especially out of conference, or has it been more of a sign that the rest of the country has gotten better and so there's more teams around the country to enter into the conversation than there used to be. I definitely think women's basketball has improved over the last few years. And, you know, Division Three is the largest body of women's basketball that there is. So anytime you can break into the NCAA tournament, you know, that's 64 teams. That's that's saying a lot. That yeah. means you're in the 80th percentile. So I, I think it's a good thing. Um, I do think that our conference is strong enough to have two teams in it, especially when some of the other conferences show up with three teams. Um, I, I feel like we've been nipped in the bud a little bit the last couple of years, especially probably three years ago. I thought we should have been in. Yeah, I remember that one being pretty darn close. You guys uh, picked this to be in. Yeah, I, I kind of remember that too. <laughs> you know, we, we, we unfortunately aren't always perfect, which is, which is probably a good thing. It means we, we don't know too much. Um, the bad thing is sometimes we can 
give false hope when I can appreciate that. You have six seniors on this squad. I feel like this is this is the year for the taking, as it were. Like if 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 you want to get it done, get it done this year. Well, we'd love to get it done for our seniors this year, and and th- that would be an awesome thing because they're all great uh, players, they're all great students, and they're just wonderful young women. We only start one senior, and that's in Amanda Kelly, and we actually lost our second leading scorer, which was a senior, Gabrielle Holness, from Connecticut. We lost her early in the season to a torn ACL, so we've lost a starter, mm-hmm. one of our seniors, only start one senior. But boy, I will tell you, Dave, the roles the rest of those seniors play on this team are invaluable. We would not be near as good without them in their roles uh, this year as, as they have been playing. Yeah, you're led by two juniors and a sophomore when you look at it statistically. They're the ones in double figures, and a junior in Molly McGraw and a re- junior in Rebecca uh, Ershman. Uh, I didn't say her last name right. Erisman. You're close. Um, Maddie Merritt is your sophomore. It's 17.7, 12.2, and 11.8 points per game, respectively. Uh, Erisman's got 6.3 rebounds, and Merritt's got five, practically. Um, of course, Erisman's hands out three and a half assists on top of that. They're, they're just playing with with uh, all the toys, as it were, Those that trio. But again, it's not senior. So while you still will lose six, and as you point out, they're certainly important. You also bring a good core of this team back for next year, who's probably going to be excited to build off of whatever you finish with this year. They will be, and I think we'll be right where we left off. There'll be no let up despite losing those seniors. We've got young kids already in place that are re- willing and ready to step up. So we're going to we're going to fight back next year, just taking off right where we left off this year. I am positive of that. Talking to Maya Smith, head coach of the Illinois Wesleyan Titan women's basketball team. Got Wheaton ahead of them in the uh, conference finale, and they probably have Wheaton ahead of them in the conference tournament should both of them take care of business next weekend. So moving forward, what's the what's the message to the team? I mean, you can ask, you could probably have had certain messages all season or you've been drilling the same one home the whole darn time. At this point, it's all or nothing. Even if, yes, a loss to Wheaton doesn't end your season, but it makes it a little bit more challenging. So what's the message to the team at practice, whether it was today or tomorrow or whenever, ahead of, t- ahead of Tuesday's game? Well, my message to my team is that they are a very good basketball team. And when we're tuned in to our game plan and we can adhere to that game plan, I think we're very tough to beat. Even I like to watch them on, in practice and in the game. We can do some amazing basketball things. I like our pressure defense. I like our ability to get to the rim with a dribble drive. I like our post-up game. I like our three-point shooting game. I, I just think we're a very good team. And, you know, that, that's I'm a little cautious sometimes, but we've got a lot of weapons and a very dangerous team. And the most important part is how hard we work on the floor. I, there is not a game goes by, but what somebody doesn't make the comment about how hard my young ladies work. And that, that makes me very proud. Um. I see 80 points a game nearly, 79 and a half offensively. I see 66 and three quarter points defensively. That tells me two things. One, you're a defensive minded squad, and I'm used to that. I don't know a Titan squad that hasn't been defensive minded. But you also have an offensive punch to this team. How can you how can you perfect both? I've never seen a team truly perfect both there are some great defensive teams who certainly put up some points but they focus on the defense and i see some great offensive teams who can play a little bit of defense to win games 
But how do you get both down, Pat? Because it seems you're able to do both. Well, thank you for that. Um, I think probably our biggest key is that I'm not too uh, worried about shot selection. I don't want us to take bad shots, but I do want us to take our first good look. So kind of having the green light, I think, for my players helps them a little bit. And then they definitely know that my focus is on the defensive end of things. So anytime we can up our game defensively by using our press or taking out one player's leading score by maybe face guarding or denying them the ball, then, you know, things tend to go our way. But it, we've got a blend of girls that just seem to understand what it takes to win. And when we do that, like I said, we're a lot of fun to watch and uh, our crowd loves us. Our home crowd loves us. And it's, it's just, it's been a great year for me so far. And I am so focused on what we have to do next in order to keep going that it's, it's been a great year so far. You guys are three and three in the month of November. I am quite sure you'd love to not see the month of November again, uh, considering you're 14 and uh, four the rest of the way. Um, by the way, <laughs> we'll get to the lights in a minute. I got a funny message. But what about November can you use now? And what about the experience of going through November? And and listen, it was a tough group of games. I'm not taking anything away from that. But what can you use now moving forward to help maybe get over the Wheaton game on Tuesday or get past any whoever you need to get past to win the CCIW? Well, the point that we're driving home is that we were right in all of those games. Yeah. You know, we lost at home to Wash U by one point. Wash U's ranked in the top five, I think, right now, or the top six. Um, so if that's where those teams are and we're right with them neck and neck, we just need to tweak a few things, be a little bit sharper in a few things maybe make one or two more baskets a game, and it's going to be there. So, like I said, I really like this team. They're they're a lot of fun. I think they're very talented, and uh, they believe in each other, which is even more fun to watch. Well, it's certainly going to be fun to watch you guys on Tuesday and then on the weekend. I realize you would love to have the games uh, at home, but we're going to have fun watching you guys wherever you end up playing. Uh, it that. is certainly uh, going to be a challenge to go to Wheaton first. By the way, before I let you go, Bob Quillman, super um, <laughs> Titan fan, uh, has indicated that do you need a donation to help keep the lights on? Okay. <laughs> um, I think we need to change the timer. Clearly, right. they don't let, give you much time in your in your office before they shut the lights out on you. Well, you know how moving. Are. We're in and out all the time. Yeah, yeah, you guys are certainly busy. Um, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? I got a final thought, thought for you, Dave. Okay. I absolutely had a blast meeting your photographer last week at Carthage. What a great <laughs> man. And he was so complimentary of my girls. I had a proud day, and it was awesome to meet him. Was that Larry Radloff? It was. Very nice. Very nice. He is a good man. You are right. Uh, we certainly appreciate him and, and love him. But uh, that is a great shout out, if I do say so myself. Uh, thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Good luck, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave, for all you do. We appreciate you too. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate the kind words. It is Mia, Mia Smith joining us here um, on the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem on Skype. Uh, appreciate her taking the time. Good luck to her team. Big games, as we said, Tuesday coming up against Wheaton and then in the conference tournament, either at Wheaton or at Illinois Wesleyan. We'll find out on Tuesday. going to take a break. When we come back, Concordia, Texas men's basketball coach joins us to talk about his team and their chances at both a conference title and NCAA tournament berth. We'll be, you're watching Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. 
Uh, I was afraid if I say something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. At George Fox University, our promise is that every student will be known, personally, academically, and spiritually. To be known means professors and staff know you by name. It means you're valued, encouraged, and challenged. It means we'll listen to you and with you as you pursue God's call in your life. At George Fox University, you will never be a number. You will be known. Visit georgefox.edu to learn more. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Getting our due diligence here of getting our Twitter updated. If you follow us on Twitter, at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville, you can figure out what's going on. If you got questions for us, you can also ask them. Ask them. Of course, uh, Bob not only texted me, but he also sent it on Twitter. He wanted to make sure uh, that the uh, <laughs> team paid its bills. Uh, the, uh, you got to love those automatic timers on lights sometimes. Uh, they never cooperate with you when you ex you don't expect them to, to work the way they work until you're in one of those situations. Just like technically, we don't know how our computer is going to work. You've noticed if you're watching on video, our cameras have glitched out a couple times. It's a computer that just needs some loving. We haven't had time to give it any loving, and that is the reason for it. So uh, it is what it is, folks, and uh, appreciate you at least bearing with us. At least you can hear us. That's the more important thing out of anything, but I appreciate Maya Smith joining us here on Hoopsville. Her team's certainly playing pretty well. We're now moving down to Texas talking men's basketball. Uh, another team that is certainly playing well is the Concordia Texas squad. Uh, they're in a fascinating ASC battle, to be honest with you. Not really sure what to make of it. Um, whether there are truly three teams that could make it to the NCAA tournament or just one. It is really a weird South region. So we figured we'd at least get the thoughts of somebody on it who might know maybe something. Head coach of Concordia, Texas men's basketball joins us. Stan Bonowitz on the U on the city of Salem Hoopsville hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Oh, I got to unmute you. Hold on. There you go. Okay. Welcome to Hoopsville, right, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's been, been a couple of years, but excited to be back on. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. It ha you know, it's been, f it's fun to get uh, coaches back on that we haven't had in a while. And certainly you guys qualify for that. Uh, tough game, I know, against Harden-Simmons on Thursday, but I guess one that everyone kind of expected. There's no way anyone thought that was going to be an easy game. That was a really high-scoring affair against two 
pretty darn good squads, it appears. Yeah, absolutely. Harden Simmons has a uh, has a really, really good team. I mean, they're a team that won the conference tournament last year. They return everybody from that group, and really, up until this point in the season, they they haven't really been healthy, and they're finally healthy and they're playing well. And you know, we went down and. and we, we fell down by as many as 22. It was a crazy game. We fell, fell down by 22 with about 16 minutes left. And then with two minutes, we were up five. <laughs> uh, and and we just couldn't down the stretch. We couldn't make plays when we needed to. And to their credit, they did a good job of, of, of getting to the line and, 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 and drawing some contact and made plays that we couldn't make. But it was a fun game. And it's always, you know, it's always fun this time of year. I was telling our guys, you know, it's always fun to be in games that matter. And you want to you want you want to be involved in them in some capacity. You'd like to win them, obviously, but uh, you know I was I was proud of the effort. And uh, yeah, you know it's it's there's no such thing as a good loss. But Harden Simmons is a quality ball club, and to go and compete the way we did, I was I was proud of our team. You know the the game had a lot of ramifications on it. Certainly, you know it has to do with seeding in the conference tournament. Who's going to play who and when. The other thing that w- that stood out to me too is the fact that you were number two regionally ranked going in. Harden Simmons was number three. I think they were almost splitting hairs at figuring that one out. Certainly, it looks like Harden Simmons will move ahead. Do you feel like you've maybe lost the opportunity to afford that at-large op- uh, chance, and now you have to win the conference? Um, or were you confident with the fact you were that high to begin with? Well, you know, it's um, honestly for us, it's a little bit foreign. We have not. You know, the year we won our conference tournament back in the 12-13 season, uh, we were going into the tournament, and I think we were maybe fourth or fifth regionally. So to be second on the cusp of being one was a different place for us. And I feel like, you know, when you go into that kind of environment, you're playing the team that has the, the, the RPI and the SOS that, that Harden Simmons has. Um, if you beat them, you feel like, man, you got a pretty good chance of, of, of getting yourself on that at-large line. But at this level, the one thing I've learned, the only the only certainty is certainty, and that's, that's winning the conference tournament. You know, a, after that, uh, I think you see it at, at all levels, but I've especially found it to be true at this level, is you, you really have to, to win that conference tournament to feel good about it. So would we have felt better going into the conference tournament, having won that game and then beat McMurray? Absolutely. But uh, would we have felt comfortable? Would I have felt comfortable that with that win it would have solidified anything? No, I, I honestly feel like, um, you know, for us to have an opportunity, uh, we're going to have to win it. And ultimately, you know, we started the season up in, up in uh, Virginia, playing Virginia Westland in their tournament, and we, we saw that we had a young team but a team with some potential. And my ultimate goal for the group was as the year went on, just trying to figure out a way to get in the conference tournament. The ASC West this year was probably as tough. I've been here now 13 years. It's probably as tough as it's been. There was five quality teams, six to be including McMurray, but they're not eligible for the postseason. There were five teams that were all battling for four spots. And honestly, uh, the one team that didn't get in, Howard Payne, had a, had a really good ball club. And so uh, the goal was to get in, knowing that if you get in the conference tournament, you give yourself an opportunity for more basketball, and from there an opportunity in the national. So, uh, you know, where the rankings will come out this week, we'll see. Hopefully hopefully the dip isn't, isn't, isn't too deep. But ultimately, we're going into the tournament with one focus, and that's trying to trying to just stay alive for as long as we can. When you obviously a game like Arden Simmons is is exciting. It it also is a tough loss. You bounced back with a a win with versus McMurray, also high scoring one twelve ninety eight. 
Is it hard to get the guys refocused on the fact that, yeah, you lost, but you got to keep playing and there's another game and blah, 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 blah? Or is that easy when you lose to a high-quality opponent like um, like, Mc, like uh, Harden-Simmons? You know, Dave, it was, it was interesting. I didn't know how we would respond. I, th- I, think it, I think it can be tough, especially when you have a young ball club the way we do. Um, you know, I didn't know exactly how we'd come out the first time we played McMurray at our place. They kind of beat us up physically, and we were fortunate to beat them. So I was, I was really, really – the game I was most concerned about coming into the weekend was the McMurray game because I knew our emotion, our focus, our adrenaline would be really high for hard Simmons. But my concern was if we won the game, the letdown, and then if we lost the game, the hangover of getting over it. And so um, to our guys' credit, honestly, I didn't, I didn't say much. Man. We, just, we just talked about getting to the next play, and we talked about having an opportunity to get to 18 wins, which is something that as a – program and at our university hasn't happened on a consistent basis hasn't happened but maybe one or two times in this conference and so there were some other things we were striving for and more than anything what we really talked about was momentum you know and go i think going into conference tournaments it's so important that you have some momentum on your side and then you can kind of hope to carry that with you and so you know we didn't feel like that like the loss against Harden simmons was a momentum killer but we knew saturday with McMurray, that that was a, a pivotal, pivotal moment for us. And so, to our guys' credit, honestly, I, I mean, I, I didn't. We talked a little bit about it, but they, they kind of did a really good job. They, I, I was kind of sitting back, just wanting to see how we would respond. And, and we, you know, I think the first half we shot near seventy percent. So hopefully, we didn't, we didn't carry, you know, too much momentum and, and lose some of it on the trip to Longview. But uh, the guys did a great job of preparing themselves, and they came out and played really well. And, and finish the season, the regular season, on a, on a really positive note. Is this a team that has to go out there and, and just outscore its opponents? I mean, you're scoring 98 points a game and giving up 91.2. Opponents are shooting 50% against you, um, though you're shooting 40% from the from beyond the arc against uh, your opponents, um, and you're being out-rebounded by three. Is this just a team that just has to go out there and outscore its opponents? No other equation about it? You know, it's going to be tough for us. You know, our tempo has always been kind of what we're doing. We've always been a pressing team. We've always been a team that's been, you know, we don't necessarily, we don't necessarily try to shoot a goal. We don't have a goal of, of trying to get to a certain number of points. We just want a certain pace. And with that pace, usually does come points. But for us, we struggle um, if, we're, if, if the game isn't at that pace. We're just not physically uh, a very, very imposing team. I mean, we're, we're you know, our fours and fives, we're, a lot of times playing guards at those spots just because of roster makeup. And so we've had to be inventive. We've had to be creative and we've had to have some moving parts. And with that, we've had to have guys willing to take on maybe roles that aren't their natural positions. And they've, they've stepped up and they've done that and they've been able to see where there's been some opportunities for them in the positive that if they do it, they could maybe take advantage of it. So, um, I mean, I think everybody ultimately, you know, to win, you got to outscore your opponent, but, but, I think more than ever this year, uh, we understand the importance of offensively being efficient, you know, and, and making sure we're having quality possessions and trying to maximize that side of the ball. Uh, this team has kind of got an interesting mix. You certainly have your fair share of seniors. Uh, was it? Uh, looks like two. Um, we got three. We have, we have, we have three? three. Two. Two. Well, two that played okay. you know, heavy minutes. Ayatunde is our other one, and he and Ayatunde is a one-year guy. He, he plays. He just he doesn't get maybe the heavy minutes that gotcha. the other two seniors do. 
um, but that's the that's the thing is you you have the rest of it's all underclassmen and they're certainly getting a lot of the points and a lot of the minutes. If anything, this is a, a nice growth year for you and, and a building year for the program. This isn't going to be a flash in the pan type season. Well, you hope not. You know, I, I guess sure. when we started out the season, um, I didn't know. You know, I knew um, I knew I liked the physical ability of our young guys, but until you know, they, they, they and they were good as freshmen and sophomores, but until they actually went out and went through it. Uh, I just, I was uncertain and I felt good. You know, we, our second game of the season, we went up and we got beat in the Virginia Western tournament. We beat North Carolina Western who had a really good, you know, it has a good program, well coached. We were fortunate to beat them. And then we, we, we played Virginia Western, got beat by maybe three or five at their place, but they were a pretty experienced ball club. And for us to go into that environment, play in front of what was a pretty hostile crowd against a quality team with a great reputation, great coach, to go through that in the, in the last two minutes, be competitive and feel like we had an opportunity, I thought there was foundationally something to build upon. And then it was just going to be a matter of how that progressed throughout the season. And, and to our younger guys' credit, they've stepped up. And to our seniors, especially Rashad Coleman, who's a, who's a four-year guy, three-year starter, uh, he has really uh, done a great job of leading the group and, 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 and giving up some of what his stats could be to help the progression of these younger guys. And he's almost, and sometimes to a, to a detriment, he's almost taking a back seat. Mm. And fortunately here lately, here in the last couple of weeks, he's starting to get back in the driver's seat. And if he'll do that, um, it'll give us a better opportunity. And it'll give, like you said, those young guys an opportunity to continue to grow. Cause hopefully, you know, if we, if we can, can, the more we can extend it, the more experience we can get and the more that it helps this year and the more it helps our group going forward. What's interesting is, again, so you've got Joe Neal, I believe is a sophomore, 19.6 points a game, 7.8 rebounds a game. Uh, Ephraim Price, a junior, 18.2 points a game. Then Rashad Coleman. He's a, he's a sophomore as well. Actually. Oh, Price is a sophomore yes, as well? Okay. Yes, yes, sir. So Price is a Oh, yeah, you're right. And Maybe I'll just look at my notes. Uh, Price is a no. sophomore, uh, 18.2 <laughs> points a game. Then Rashad Coleman, a, a, a senior at 13.2. Uh, then you've got Ben Page. He's he's the one I had marked as a junior at 12 yeah, points yeah. a game. Joshua Samuels, 11 and a half. And Philip um, Mikeley? Mikeley? Mikkel. I'm not even Everybody close. With it, yeah. Sorry, Philip. <laughs> um, 8.2 points a game. Um, Mikkel's a sophomore. He's, he's a freshman, actually. He's, he's even a freshman. He's, so, he's a redshirt freshman. Which is yeah, even, you know, even better for you guys. And Samuels. Uh, is a junior. So a junior. these guys, I mean, the, the six guys I just mentioned who are all either double figures or almost double figures in the in the core group, five of them come back next year, and they're gaining all this experience while the top guy, Rashad Coleman, is is hanging back. This can be a dangerous unit this week. Oh, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's scary. <laughs> it can be dangerous in that it could, it could be dangerously bad or dangerously good, depending on on, on what we do, but but it's a it's a group that um, again to their credit they they played hard. We've had we've had maybe one or two outings where you know it was a team that I didn't recognize, but for the most part we've competed hard. We've had some injuries and everybody does. You know we we lost Ben Page who is our inside presence. We lost him right before Christmas and he was out for two to three weeks and and we really 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 had to be creative whenever he was out and and, and he and since he's been back. I think we're eight and one, nine and one. We've been playing good basketball, and it's a group that that is is kind of coming into their own, and 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 hopefully 
uh, with the seasoning they're getting, their confidence will continue to grow, and they'll see that there's a lot of different ways, you know, they can go about helping, you know, affect the outcome of the game. And, and we just, you know, we've been fortunate. We got we, we have we have a lot of different, you know, ways we can score. It. It's just it's not typical. It's very atypical. And when you're atypical, that can be, like you said, that can be really dangerous for the opponent, but it can also be dangerous for the, the atypical group because there's a reason things are typical, you know, yeah. I, I, because they typically work. And so, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're, we are a little bit different, but, uh, you know, it's been fun. And, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the fact that we have another game to prep for. We're playing a really good UT Tyler team, a team that's really talented. They're well-coached. Um, we were able to beat them the first time, but, but we had to make a lot of shots the first time to beat them. It wasn't, it was just a matter of we just made a couple more. And I know, you know, there wasn't really a matchup going into conference tournament I was excited about. But this is one that, that as, a, as a staff, I know we're not excited about because it's a good ball club. It's a team that's, that's very talented and that creates a lot of problems for us, a lot of matchup problems for us. And obviously you're going to have to play three games in, in three days, uh, all at Letourneau. The games are Thursday, mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, and you start off with a 5 o'clock local game, the third of four against Tyler. And there's, you know, there's, it's a lot of basketball in three days, uh, but a lot of high pressure basketball, as you've alluded to, you probably have to just go out there and win the AQ if you want to get in. And Letourneau would like to do the same thing. They're in position. Harden Simmons most definitely would like to mm-hmm. do the same thing. That's three mm-hmm. teams alone. And we're not even talking about those with experience like Dallas and Mary Harden Baylor and the rest who would love to spoil mm-hmm. the day. This is going to mm-hmm. be a tough tournament. How do you keep the guys focused? Well, you know, the cliche, you know, you, just <laughs> say, you know, you take it one at a time. I mean, you know, you, you go in. But one thing we really tried to do today this year is, is remove ourselves from outcomes. And, and really, and you hear Nick Saban talk about it, and you hear a lot of people talk about the process, but really try to focus on that. You know, that's why after the Harden-Simmons game the other night, there wasn't, a, you know, there, there wasn't a real, there wasn't a real disgust. There was, there was some disappointment. There were some things we could have done differently down the stretch that we didn't do, but there wasn't a lack of effort. Like our guys played really, really hard, and and, and again, so did Harden Simmons. And, and and if you do that and you and you dive into that part of it, the, the process of competing and playing really hard, then the outcomes. You know, I mean, there's so many things that go into outcomes that if you try to obsess over those, you'll you'll make yourself crazy, and, and you'll make the, the season will be miserable, and, and it just won't be fun. And so. We try to really focus on what we can control. We can't control the at-large. We can't control what happened last week. And all we can control is really just having two good days of practice, getting on a bus Wednesday morning, going to Longview, having an hour where we're sharp. And then hopefully we come out Thursday and we play hard. And then if you're playing hard, you know, you got to make shots. And, and all we can do is kind of put ourselves in the right position offensively to take the right shots and then hope like heck they go in, you know. And if they go in – you get a chance to keep playing. If not, you gotta, you know, pack it up and see what happens. But, yeah. but I think, I think you know, if you if you if you decide too much into scenarios, not that you don't play them out as a coach, because you do think about the next game and the next game and what could be at the end of the road. And sure, you think about that game the other night, the national ramifications of it. But you can't you can't communicate. You can't focus on it. And as a as a as a group, you know, we have we've done a good job to this point of the season, not getting caught up in any of the because I'm telling you, for, for about three weeks, for us, for our West Division, ASC West, it wasn't until Saturday or yesterday that it got finalized who was even getting in. 
there was questions of who was even going to get in the tournament. There was pressure there. We've been we've really been in a playoff scenario for about three weeks since since mid January. We've kind of been every game, whether it was going to Howard Payne, going to Stowe Ross, having the Abilene schools come to us, having to go to Mary Harden Bader. Like every one of these games has had playoff implications. And so there hasn't been like in the past where you knew you know, as long as you kind of took care of what you need to take care of, you were going to get in the conference tournament. That wasn't the case this year. And so uh, for everybody, for, for all five teams that were battling, it was kind of playoff intensity. So, you know, we've, we've been able to stay in the moment. We've done a pretty good job staying present, and hopefully hopefully we'll be present Thursday night enough to, uh, to give ourselves a chance. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to chat about uh, the Tornadoes here and, and certainly looking forward to the ASC finish uh, there's a lot of good teams in there i've seen harden simmons up close and uh, i'm pretty impressed with them so to see you go toe-to-toe with them tells me a lot um well, yeah and and i'm i'm sure you guys would love to just get the ball tipped up after all but you're gonna have to wait till thursday yeah. um, you know the hardest part Dave, right now the hardest part is that that drive home afterward and having to wait three days because yeah you're in a you're in a flow and you want to just go ahead yeah. and do it and figure it out but you're right the ast is great harden simmons is a great ball club coach carson's been good mary harden there's so much tradition between texas dallas and it's nice to be able to get on with you guys you know on a national broadcast and be able to give a little love to the conference because it's it's great basketball and there's really good teams the turnos had an outstanding season coach miller's really done a terrific job they've won 20 games i mean they're it's, it's, it's just every night. It's really good basketball. It's really athletic, really talented, and, and you know we're excited about, about being in the mix. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. We always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, just kind of echoing those sentiments of, of we, you know, we, we, have a, we have a great conference. We have a great uh, product. We got really good coaches. We got um, good players. It's fun, and, and it's competitive, and hopefully we can get as many of us in the national uh, tourney and the postseason tourney to be able to go out and, and, and just show that to, to different parts of the country. Cause we are kind of tucked away a little bit down here in, in Texas. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, if we get more exposure, it does nothing but help the conference. So hopefully we have a good weekend. Hopefully it's a, a high quality weekend of basketball and, and whoever comes out of it will, I know represent the conference well and hopefully make a push at the, uh, at the national run and the national uh, title and trying to get to that final four. Well, we'll look forward to seeing what happens. Uh, good luck to you and, and your team, and we'll, uh, we'll I'm sure, talk to you somewhere down the road. Yes, sir, Dave. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Have Thank you. Night. Stan Bonowitz joining us from from Concordia, Texas, from on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Of course, everybody wants, on the men's side, to get to the City of Salem for the men's championship weekend, which is coming up in a month's time. You can get your tickets today. Don't forget, going to the City of Salem uh, and the uh, Roanoke Valley. The 21st men's championship will take place there. We mentioned Laterno. They'll head, take off into the conference tournament action on Thursday when they'll face off against Texas Tyler. The winner plays in the semis on Friday and then the championship on Saturday. All of those games at Laterno should be fun to watch. Some really good basketball out of the ASC. Going to take a break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk women's basketball, go from Texas to New England. We'll talk to Mass Dartmouth and their head coach about what they can possibly do in their own conference tournament. And then we'll head down to Tech and down to Virginia, get an, a preview of the ODAC tournament, but also talk to a coach who's had an interesting uh, path, as it were. She keeps taking the road less traveled, and we'll show why it may be the best decision she's ever made. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville when we return. My name is Marcus Walker. 
I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. When George Fox University was founded in 1891, its creators envisioned two things, a challenging educational experience and a community where students could deepen their faith. 125 years later, the core of who we are remains unchanged, and our focus on the whole person, our Be Known Promise, remains as vibrant and relevant today as it was back then. At George Fox University, you'll never be a number. You will be known. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Three, two, one. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. It's our Sunday edition, our last, let's call it normal Sunday show of the season. We're covering the Northeast, the Atlantic, South and Central regions primarily. Don't forget, coming up, the WBCA Center Court as well. Um, we say normal because a week from tonight, we'll be talking about the selections of who's in and who's out and making our own mock selections of who we think's making the NCAA tournament. Um, that will, and will then transition into NCAA tournament coverage, so our last Sunday um, as a status quo. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Maybe you'll be part of our Hoopsville mailbag later in the show. You can also join us on Facebook where we're simulcasting the show Facebook Live. We sometimes answer questions there, usually on air, but sometimes with responses as well. Talking Northeast basketball in the Little East Conference on the women's side has certainly been interesting this year. Eastern Connecticut uh, is the number one seed heading into the tournament, 18 and 7 overall, 12 and 2. But if you look just below them, Mass Dartmouth and Keene State ended up tying in second place at 11 and 3. Mass Dartmouth at a 21 and 4 record. And if you look at the last regional rankings on the women's side, Mass Dartmouth is right behind Eastern Connecticut. They're both 5 and 6, respectively. They both have an interesting chance of getting into the NCAA tournament. So we figured we would talk to the number two team, due in part to the fact that their win over Southern Maine yesterday set a program record at 21. And joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville hotline is their hat coach, Matt Descharm. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks for having me, Dave. I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, as I said, program record 21 wins. If I'm not mistaken, you've now done this twice in your three years. I think this record set the one you had previously set 
uh, back in 2015 when you won 19 games. Um, it, it, certainly things are looking up for the Corsairs under the three years you've been there. And it was something that started, you know, I, I was the assistant under who's now our athletic director, and we started something back then that I think was a, a winning tradition, and I'm just happy that I'm I'm in the position to continue that. And, you know, it all comes down to bringing in the talent and makes my job a lot easier. <laughs> sure. Well, I can understand that. I should mention, by the way, actually the previous record was in 2013 when they went 20-8. and eight. Um, Yeah, that was the postseason. Yep. Yeah, that included postseason. So this was the regular season record. And certainly a, a great mark at 21-4 to be regionally ranked sixth, to finish in what ended up being a, a fascinating race at the top of the LEC. You've got to be thrilled with how this season progressed. I am. I'm very proud of the team, and uh, they handled some, you know, we had some games that were, we had to have some big comebacks in, and the mental toughness that they've showed is something that previously I don't think was exactly where it is right now. So hopefully that's another step in the positive direction to uh, for, for what's coming up in the playoffs. You know, that's always a, a mentally trying time when you're in the pressure situation, yeah. so we'll see. Certainly. Uh, you just played Eastern Connecticut once this year, am I correct? No, you played him twice and lost to him twice. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, my, my, my bad. My, my, my bad. Uh, I was trying to look through the schedule. I mean, you only have a handful of losses. Keene State, Johnson, and Wales. Uh, Eastern Connecticut tripped you up twice. You have a win over Babson, a win over WPI. You have some significant wins in here to go along with what is obviously a very busy conference schedule. Um when you look at when you look at what your program has done this season by riding out what you say, getting some comebacks and riding out some some of the tougher parts, how prepared do you think are you for next week and hopefully beyond? Uh, uh, that's a great question. I like to think um, mentally and physically we're we're in a, we're in a good spot. Uh, they the girls have been very dedicated to the weight room this year. They go in at seven in the morning a couple times a week, and they're really buying into it. Um, and like I said, I hopefully some of these bigger wins we've had where, like, Babson was a great game and we we were able to pull that one out. And I'm hoping they can sort of pull some of those experiences out when they need it, when it's a, you know, a one-and-done situation that they don't they don't fall apart and, you know, lead at the end of the game. Pretty much what it comes down to. <laughs> um, you got Mass Boston ahead of you um, in the <clears throat> conference tournament. You're third due to tiebreakers. You, you know, Obviously, Keen beating you guys. Uh, was part of that, but uh, you split with them anyway. But you know the tiebreakers went in Keene's favor. They're the two seeds. So you're yeah. the three. You'll take on Mass Boston, who you just saw the other day, uh, back mm-hmm. on the 15th, and beat them by two. And of course, earlier in the season, beat them on the 25th of January by five. It seems like this is a little bit of a of a testy uh, opponent to face off in the in the quarterfinals of the LEC. For the yeah, for, they're uh, they're not a true six seed in my opinion. They're very they're a very tough team. Uh, they lost a lot of close games. In fact, they just lost to East Con yesterday by four points. Um, they're they're going to be a tough matchup. They had us actually. We were speaking of one of those comebacks. We were down by fifteen uh, last time we played them uh, with four minutes to go, and somehow we're able to come back and win it at a buzzer beater for um, for by two points. So it's uh, they're they're a tough matchup for us. The way that we just match up very well with each other. So um, I'm hoping we can pull out a third win in the season, which is always tough over a team, but. I think my team's ready to go. We'll see. <laughs> um, I was wondering if if looking at the regional rankings and understanding that you're sitting sixth <laughs> with a pretty strong SOS gives you any confidence going into this week that you know that, that maybe you can get in the tournament without having to, to win the AQ? Or do you have to put all your chips in and just go for it? 
Uh, you know, I, I always use the, you know, being a you know, the Patriots fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> you could, Don't worry, we're not holding it against you. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, you know, he always says you can control what you can control, right? And yeah. I'd rather not leave it in other people's hands and, sure. and wait for voters to say whether we deserve it or not. I want to earn it. So I'm hoping we're going to go all in and try to, you know, beat, uh, hopefully, at the end of the day, three very tough teams and make our make our stand. When you put this, the, the schedule together, was your intent to put together a strong SOS for the chance of an at-large? I mean, your SOS is in the 550s, which is pretty respectable. Um, was that the intent or to just kind of go in that direction for you? I uh, It was definitely intent. I was trying to find a lot of the, the, our conference in conferences in our area and try to take some of the top ones of those conferences and, and, and play them. Um, hopefully come out on top, but you never know with that. But mm-hmm. and, and hopefully that would help us put us in a better position and, as long as we want them. So hopefully that it was definitely part of the plan, and hopefully that we can get the LEC back to, uh, to a two-bid conference. Yeah, certainly a possibility as it stands now. You've got a bit of a young team. You do have two seniors, but they're not, when you look at the stat sheet, necessarily the ones that jump out at you. You do have Rachel McCarron. She's averaging nearly 11 points a game and about a rebound and a half, two, about two assists a game on top of that. Um, and then you have another senior who's played in all 25 games coming off the bench at three points a game and Addy Alisea Cordero. Um, but the rest is juniors and sophomores. This, this team feels like it's come of age just, just about a year earlier than maybe many would have expected it to. <laughs> You have no uh, no idea how true that is. We um, <laughs> we actually the one senior Adia Adiana's is um, she's got a year of eligibility and she's planning on coming back. So oh. we might only lose one. Uh, but the second part of that is we actually had another one, Megan Ronigan, who was a preseason All American two years ago and yeah. was a two time player conference uh, player of the year. Um, so she left with a knee injury at the beginning of the year. So yeah. she actually missed her whole senior season. So that was a a moment of growth for the team because I was kind of like, okay, well, there goes my whole game plan for the year. Um, <laughs> let's redraw this out and see what happens. And, and there's been a couple of young people, and well, Rachel actually was another one, that they all stepped up and sort of were like, Coach, we got this. We can do it without her. Um, we'll miss her, but we can still move forward. So I, one of uh, the sophomores actually as well, Nakara Exman, who's had a, an outstanding year, really picked up a lot of slack. So it's been a, 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 a situation I didn't see – I wouldn't have seen that at the end of last season, like this happening the way it has, but it's been special and it's been fun to be a part of. Yeah, Exelman's averaging 16.5 points a game, 10.5 rebounds a game, assist and a half a game, uh, on, on over a steal a game, and shooting 64% from the floor, 56% from the free throw line. So we'll, we'll try and rein our, our excitement in a little bit. <laughs> a little Dwight um, Howard, or, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Alicia, uh, uh, is it Cuddle? Um, Q-Till. Q-Till, the junior, 13.5 points a game, 7.7 rebounds a game, 2.5 assists a game on top of that, block and a half a game. You've got, and she's a junior, and we mentioned Exelman being a sophomore. you got a couple more juniors who are certainly contributing in a, a lot, and Leah uh, Dowdy and, and Chelsea Houlihan. And, and there's more. We could keep going down the list. So clearly they picked up the slack, and Exelman with a double-double is certainly putting a lot on her shoulders. She, she uh, stepped up. Uh, uh, hugely this year, and she's uh, she had a talk with Megan when she went down with an injury, and, and Megan sort of said, "Hey, you are, you're going to take this over. You're going to be the one that steps up." And she took it to heart. She's been working hard. Like she's a a crazy athlete. She's so athletic. But the growth from last year as a basketball player to this year 
has been tremendous, and it's it's showed out in her her stats and her production. When you look at what you've been able to accomplish, not only this season, but the three years you're you've been there, you were an assistant on the men's program, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it, was, it, it was the women's. It was the women's program. I apologize. Yep. And you had graduated That's from okay. this school, so certainly this was <laughs> a, a program and and a, and something that was near and dear to you. So what you pulled off in the last three years, and what you have done this year to win 21 games in the regular season, is there have you had a got have you gotten a chance to be able to sit back uh, and appreciate? Um, the turnaround this program has had? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fair. I think after this year, when this is done, when this run is done, like this year, I think I'll, I will. But right now, I was talking to somebody yesterday. I said it's very surreal, and you know, now it's like I can't, I don't, I can't enjoy 21 wins because you know, a loss on Tuesday and you're done. And that season yeah. now, what does that mean? So, right. you know, you you kind of just next game, it's on to the next game, and let's see what we could do Tuesday, and then hopefully for uh, Saturday, and hopefully Sunday, and then. Who knows what the future holds from there? As you mentioned, quarterfinals on Tuesdays. We said against Mass uh, Boston, who apparently on our graphic we say is nine and sixteen. Um, they are nine and sixteen. I just wanted to confirm mm-hmm. five and nine in conference. But as you said, with a lot of tough, tough losses. So, what's the message to the team? I mean, I realize at this point in time, the coaches have probably either absolutely beat one message into the ground and probably six feet under over the course of 25 <laughs> games, or you've been adjusting the message and trying to find what works per the moment or per the stretch or per the game in particular. What are you going with now? What what do you what are you trying to, to emphasize to this team as you move forward with what you think you need to do on Tuesday and hopefully you can do on the weekend? At this point, like I'm hoping that they understand that if they, they have to play their game, um, believe in believe in what they've done so far, trust in their teammates, and and it's not about right. I don't believe right now we played this opponent twice. We, we played the Little East twice each, and it's we know each team, but it's like we we have to make sure that that team is not making us play any other like play like any other team than ourselves. Because when we play another team style, or they they dictate the pace, they dictate how we play, then we don't play very well at all. Um, and that's happened a couple times this season. It actually happened last time we played Boston. They controlled what we did. Um, it made us play out of character, and, and we had a double digit. Uh, 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 we were behind double digits at some point. Yeah. So, it, when we start playing like ourselves, when we, uh, you know, sometimes listen to some guy that is, you know, at the end of the bench with a, with a tie on, they they <laughs> listen. Um, they, sometimes it works, <laughs> and it's just saying now it's just like let's just keep being who we are as a team. The the, the biggest opponent we we lose to sometimes is our own our own our own disbelief, our own mistrust. Uh, sure. So I just try to really preach that to them and and know that they are capable and I I believe they can do it. And as long as they do too, um, I think we have some good things in store. Um, maybe change the tie to a polo. I don't know. Just maybe they'll 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 take the message differently. I, I'm just throwing <laughs> maybe, curve. Maybe you're right. <laughs> uh, you're averaging 68 points uh, on offense, but 58 points on defense. I get the feeling this is a really defensive orientated squad. I love defense, and this is the first year I feel like we've bought into it for the most part. I mean, we still have our moments, but we're able to press for the first time since I've been here uh, just by having the necessary parts to do it. Um, we've we've prayed a little bit more pressure. Um, I think our man-to-man is – we used to get beat pretty much every first dribble, and I think mm-hmm. we've really bought into not, not letting that happen, and our help's there, and our help to helpers the best it's ever been. So they've bought into it. Um, they know they can score, you know, as much as they need, but defense, you know, they always say defense travels, defense wins championships, defense is always the good thing. So 
um, when you can't shoot into the ocean, then may, you know if you can help the other team do worse than that, then you're okay, anyways. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you can't shoot in the ocean, we got to talk. Yeah. Um, you guys aren't that far uh, from the ocean, if, if memory serves. Uh, obviously, a great season and doing well. And I don't want to say that it's over in any way, but you've got, and I kind of alluded to it, you've got to like what you've got coming back next year as well. I. You know, you build for now, and then you build for the future. And I mm-hmm. think right now, um, yeah, they're, we're in a good spot. Uh, I just, you know, we, you never know what happens every year. Like I said, losing someone injury or, or knock on wood like we did this year or who knows. But my, my feeling is everybody wants to be back and wants to do bigger things than whatever they get done this year. So I'm, I'm happy with what we got, and we'll see where it goes. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to chat about the squad. The Corsair is certainly playing very well. 21 wins on the season, as we mentioned, with just four losses. They take on Mass Boston coming up in the LAC quarterfinals. Coach, as we mentioned, or as we always do, we give the the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, you caught me off guard on that one. Uh, and, and I should know this question. <laughs> uh, you, you know, I, I mean, I... Look out for what we might do. I'm hoping that we uh, get to see some people we've never seen before when we make it to our first NCAA tournament, hopefully this year, and um, tune in and watch the Corsairs and watch the young team hopefully rise up and do something special. It would be fun to see if the Corsairs make the NCAA tournament <laughs> win or lose uh, in getting in that large bid. It would be fun to see it for sure. Congratulations on a terrific season. We appreciate you taking the time, and good luck the rest of this week. Thanks, Dave. Matt Desharm joining us here from Mass Dartmouth. Again, as we mentioned, 21-4 and Mass Boston coming up. 5.30 Eastern start on Tuesday. Uh, that game is the quarterfinals. And as you heard Coach mention, Saturday-Sunday is the championship games. Or I should the, the the semifinals and championship in the LEC. Uh, keep an eye out. It should be fun to watch. Uh, there's a chance. There's a real chance I think the LEC can get two teams in on the women's side. I think Eastern Connecticut's in a very good spot. And I think Mass Dartmouth's in a very good spot. We'll see where the regional rankings kind of move everything um, on Wednesday. Um, but so far, Mass Dartmouth has done nothing but put themselves in a better position. When we come back, we'll keep the conversation going. We'll talk women's basketball at the WBCA Center Court. We'll go down into Virginia, talk to the Randolph head coach, get a little bit of a preview of the ODAC tournament, but more importantly, find out why the road between coaching and going into the U.S. Navy came down to one moment at one night with a paper in front of her and a phone call that was made. We hear the whole story coming up. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Cheer for the stumbles. 
That he should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening. If you've got questions for our Hoopsville mailbag, time's running out. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. If you listen to the podcast or on demand, time isn't running out. We'll answer your questions at the next show. So email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also tweet us questions at d3hoopsville. Use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also ask questions on our simulcast on Facebook Live or on YouTube. Again, just a warning to all of you out there, the people running the show are in front of your camera here. It's just me. So if you ask a question and I haven't answered it yet, it's because I probably hasn't, haven't seen it as I work my way through all the questions plus interviewing guests. So just, just bear with us. We will get to your question uh, as soon as we can. Uh, in the previous segment, uh, we ended by saying the next guest had a choice to make whether she was going to go on with coaching or go to the Navy. I, I screwed that one up. She actually did have a coaching decision, but the real question started with whether she was going to go into the Navy or go on and play basketball in college. We know a lot of people who have that tough choice. She later then had a choice of what to do versus real world versus coaching and the sacrifices it's made. It's resulted in ending up at Randolph College where they're into the ODAC tournament, the Wildcats on the women's side, 12 and 13 this year. Seven and nine, that's a huge turnaround from last year's four and 22 season. But what's the real story behind the coach? Uh, it's a story that I found interesting enough from the WBCA. So joining us in the WBCA center court is the head coach of Randolph, Andrea Kendall, joining us on the city of Salem Skype hotline. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's start at the beginning. Well, first off, let's talk about your team. You're 12 and 13. You're 7-9 in the conference. You ended up in a three-way tie for seventh. You're on, as everybody is, in conference into the conference tournament. But more importantly, you're hosting that game at home on Tuesday. Yeah, first time in program history. We are hosting a home first-round game. We're really excited about it. Yeah, I was going to say that's got to be adding a, a ton of excitement uh, to everybody out there um, who, who sees what you guys are up to with this program. And in your first year, you've got to be thrilled with the turnaround. I am. I'm very thrilled. And I think the way that I am, the competitor competitor that I am, I feel like there are some games we probably should have won. But <laughs> <laughs> the I keep getting reminded daily by you know, our support system here is that, you know, we have come a long way in a short amount of time. And, you know, we, we take all these accomplishments and we just um, try to build on them. So Tuesday is a big night for us because this team has also never been to Salem to compete in the ODAC tournament there. So... We're excited. Yeah, I was going to say, get get the win uh, on Tuesday, and you're on to ODAC or on to Salem Civic Center in the quarterfinals. So there's a lot going on. We'll talk more about that, but I do want to back up to where this story technically begins. Okay. You played college or high school in Delaware, and you had a choice in front of you. I think is 
maybe one of the more unique choices. I don't think that uh, a, a choice between a service academy and going on and playing elsewhere is unique. I think how this happened is unique. You're about to sign the paperwork to go to the Naval Academy, correct? That's accurate. Yes. And you decide you need to make a phone call or a phone call comes in? A phone call comes in. Uh, I was about to sign the paperwork to enlist early. I was still underage and the phone rang. My mom answers it. She says, I have a phone call. I reluctantly decided to take that call while he was there. And it was Andrew Costin at um, Cecil College, the head women's coach there. And he offered me an opportunity to come visit campus. And I felt like that was a sign for me to, to not enlist right then. And I'm glad that I didn't because it's one of the many things in life that have brought me to where I am today. And, and you're saying basketball and playing in college wasn't necessarily what you were looking to do. It's not like you were going to go to Navy and actually play basketball at Navy, um, unless I'm completely wrong on that. So this is kind of a, a really a left curve, as it were. Yeah. I mean, I was a, I was a average, above average high school basketball player, very smart, intelligent player, could shoot the ball really well, but um, wasn't the most athletic. And, you know, that was part of the reason why I wasn't getting the attention from collegiate coaches. So um, I had some here and there from distant places, but I would always told myself I wanted to go into the Navy because my father was in the Navy. He served on the USS Forrestal, which exploded uh, mm -hmm. when he was on it. And so I just wanted to go into the Navy and follow in his footsteps, but the coach called and I'm glad that he did because it was again, during that, those years where I fell in love with the leadership side of the game and, and I am where I am today. I always loved basketball, but just felt like I was going to go into the Navy. It was a goal that I had. Um, what's more interesting is it's not like it was a choice of a four-year college. Cecil College is a two-year junior college. Mm -hmm. Certainly they recruit. They, they have junior college. Um, basketball is pretty, pretty darn competitive. Um, right. So this what you're you're almost kind of taking a, a whole different tack here. Was if you went to Cecil, was the Navy option out for good? I was going to get my degree, play a college basketball, get my degree, and then probably enlist in the Navy. That was the okay. the next plan. Um, so the next plan was to enlist in the Navy after I got my degree and go in a, at a higher rank. Okay. I, okay. So Navy wasn't completely out of the mix. So you decide no, not, you go not on. Right to, then. Yeah. Okay. So you go on to Cecil, and then you continue on, and you end up at Newman University. Correct. Where you played for two years in Division Three basketball. Clearly, at some point, you felt, yeah, I like this. I like where I'm going with this. And Navy, as much as you clearly got respect for the Navy, it wasn't fit in your lifestyle at that point. No. At that point, there was a time where I felt kind of pushed towards the other the other side and I really wanted to continue my career to play collegiate basketball at Newman um, and then while there I st I was studying computer engineering and programming so I knew that if anything I was going to be into and get involved in that field uh, whether it was with the Navy or not and it wasn't really until my senior year in, in college at Newman where I decided I wanted to coach interesting but after college you didn't go into coaching. You did what most of the rest of us do, and we go out into the real world, as they call it. You yeah. got working at Citigroup. Um, what, tell us just a little bit of the experience of, of going out there and kind of leaving basketball, which had driven you down this road in the first place, was like. Once I graduated college, I had an offer to work at the at Citigroup, which is where I got my, had my internship. And 
um, decided to, that it was an incredible opportunity. The money was really good. And I didn't really, at that time, you know, we're talking 15 years ago. Hmm. Uh, I, we didn't really, I didn't understand the whole graduate assistant programs. Wasn't really mentored in that fashion. So I didn't understand how to get into coaching. That makes sense. So I decided I was just going to go and, um, start my career and then possibly um, begin an AAU program or a coach at a high school there in Delaware. Um, so that was the, that's what happened there. Interesting. So obviously you, you get out into the real world and then you get the calling. Mm-hmm. There's this urge to get back into it. And, and you made a lot of sacrifices to kind of get back into, into the basketball side of thing and coaching. Uh, and again, it's a faithful phone call. Yeah. Yeah, I got a phone call when I was living in Delaware. I got a phone call about an opportunity to coach high school basketball in North Carolina. My sister had actually lived down there and had some connections. And so I, long story short, I had an opportunity to go down and coach high school basketball at a school outside of Raleigh and teach. And I was going to have to teach in the lateral entry program, which meant I would have to go back to school at, at North Carolina State and acquire my teaching license. So it was a big decision. My mom was just diagnosed with Wagner's disease. She was recently out of the hospital from that. But again, I just had this overwhelming, unexplainable, overwhelming feeling that this is what I was supposed to do. And so I prayed about it and and thought countless nights about what I should do and decided that I'm going to pack up, leave Delaware, move to a state where I've never really spent more than a couple nights and move. And I moved down to North Carolina when I got there, I found out that the high school job that I assumed was open was actually filled. So I was jobless mm. and ended up at Eastleigh Middle School through a series of events of meeting different people and trying to find a job. My first job was a seventh grade boys basketball coach. I, that's the part of this story, as much as it all has been incredible. That's the part that blows my mind the most. You got this job, you pick up everything, you move down there and it's Oh, by the way, I mean, maybe I don't, we don't know the answer, but what, how, how did that happen? And how did you get out of it? As it there was, a, I believe there was a lot of miscommunication, lack of communication. I was under the impression the job was mine. Uh, a life that you learn is you don't, when you accept a position, you're, you know, you go through the process of signing some form of document to verify and to confirm that you have accepted that position. And, that was something I did not do. And at 21 years mm-hmm. old, I wasn't educated in that. But um, but I'm glad that that happened because, to be honest with you, that year at Eastleigh Middle School was incredible. And I have I still have relationships with, you know, those guys that I coached back then. Several went on to play Division One basketball. We were really good, so I thought I was the greatest coach that ever coached <laughs> the game. Nice. I mean, I did. Stick with uh, it. I like it. Yeah. So, but it was, it was incredible. It was an incredible experience. And I believe I'd tell our kids every day that, and I'm a walking example that everything happens for a reason. So, you know, that one year there, I spent a year there and then had some time at, at the high school level as well. Well, and then you get involved. This is where the, the, the coaches of the WBCA basically become kind of the ones that pull you in the right direction, whether it was intentional or unintentional. Uh, Kentucky's head coach, Matthew Mitchell kind of drags you in one direction maybe unintentionally, and then another coach from Emory and Henry, uh, Rose Katz, drags you in another. Can you tell us a little bit of how they inspired you to, or at least guided you in whatever they did to where you ended up? Absolutely. 
I, as a high school coach, I would attend the North Carolina Coaches Association, their um, clinic every year. And I was there one year, and Matthew Mitchell was a speaker, and he had discussed how he had gotten into college coaching and that he was, in fact, um, coached at the high school level, even in the JV ranks. And he just kind of went all his whole story about how he got where he was. And I was just thought how awesome it was that he's now a big time division one head coach at Kentucky. And he started off kind of just like me in a sense where, cause there was a, there were times where I would, I mean, I applied to jobs for five and six years in a row and to no avail, I had no interview or anything for five summers in a row. And so that inspired me to not give up knowing Mm -hmm. that he had kind of came through the same path that I went through really inspired me to not give up and I got a phone call uh it was May 25th 2012 got a phone call from a woman named Rose Katz who was currently at that time the head women's basketball coach at Emory and Henry College which I had never heard of (laughs) uh had no clue I, I knew that I had sent out some applications I did a little research on that one but at that point I'm just throwing them out there like Sure. Somebody called me. I had give, given myself a region, a demo, geographic region of where I would like to end up and just send out uh, applications and resumes to all the open positions. So she calls me. It was May 25th. And the reason why that date is significant is because my mother passed away a few years back before that. And May 25th was her birthday. Mm. And my mother's name was Rose. And Rose Katz is calling me. And so... Um, to get because she had offered me a phone interview, um, which I accepted and ended up getting a campus interview. And I don't know if I would have taken that job if she had not called on May 25th Hmm. because it was a $20,000 pay cut to be a full-time assistant at a division three school in Emory and Henry versus being a full-time teacher and coach of basketball and softball at the high school level. And that's, that's nothing to shake a stick at. That's a significant pay cut. That's a heck of a sacrifice and it's yeah. interesting obviously the the stars aligning as it were and something telling you in the back of your head hey you ought to go for this why not um and, and it's led to where you are now how long were you at emory and henry and where'd you go from there i was at emory and henry emory and henry for three seasons as a full-time assistant two under rose and then uh rose cats had left for arcadia university and ann crutchfield came in mm-hmm. as our new head coach at emory so i was there for three seasons and then left and I wanted to be a head coach, and as much as I loved my time at Emory and Henry, I would give, was given the opportunity to be the head coach at Centenary University, or now it was Centenary College, last year. So I left Emory and Henry after three and spent one season at Centenary College uh, last year. And now and, you're back at Randolph and back in the ODAC and back yeah. against Emory and Henry, so it's an interesting yeah. small circle there. Um, what was the decision to come to Randolph? I, I, I know a lot of coaches, a lot of reasons to stay with a program for one year, 10 years, 50 years, whatever the case may be. So I'm always, I'm just curious with what your story has been, what drew you to Randolph? A lot of people ask me that, Dave, because at Centenary, I knew we were going to win a lot of games this year. Um, yeah. if I stayed, And they do, they won 20 games. And I just felt really strongly in our, in our opportunity for success. And then I'm being asked to come down and take over a program that's Historically not been very good. Hasn't made it to the ODAC tournament um, at Salem. Things. Well, I come down and I meet everybody and the entire campus is very welcoming, very supportive. Uh, just took me in almost as, of, as if I was already uh, employed here. But I tell you what, what really got it, what really did it was when I met the team. Mm-hmm. I walked into a conference room and sat in front of, uh, you know, 10 young ladies that, 
I don't know who needed who more, but they were just incredible and just really wanted to be motivated and really wanted to be, have someone come in and relight the fire of basketball to them and um, bring that passion back. And I just, to be honest with you, I fell in love with those kids right then. I knew that they, that I could help and I knew that they were great kids. I got a good sense for what they wanted to accomplish here. And I, I like a challenge. <laughs> I, I like a challenge. Um, well, the team has responded. As I said, 12 and 13, uh, a turnaround from four and 22. We should point out the previous two seasons before that were 13 and 13 and 11, 15, but it's a team that not that long ago went 0 and 25 back in 2010 and 11. Uh, you beat Shenandoah in your last game, 49, 38 on the road, which set up a game at home in the ODAC tournament against Bridgewater, yeah. who you beat earlier this month, 74, 69. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess to some degree you're playing with gravy. Obviously, everybody gets into the ODAC, but to be playing at home is great. And I know this team would like to get to Randolph. The men's program certainly has had success getting there in its short time. Does that add pressure, or is the team playing? Can the team play a little bit um, looser because they've got they've already accomplished so much? Well, I don't want them to play looser. That's one of the things we have to talk about. Uh, I don't want them to be satisfied with what we've accomplished. Because as much as we know it's it's a great accomplishment to play at home, to host a game for the first time ever, to win 12 games, which they reminded me yesterday they tripled their win count from last yeah. year. Uh, those are all great things. But if you're a true competitor, you want to play in the highest and most incredible environment atmosphere, and that is at the Salem Civic Center in, in Roanoke. And for us, we – that was our ultimate goal all year, Dave, but we've been talking about it. We have this road that we're looking down and Salem's at the end of it. We're going to hit roadblocks and we're going to have bumps in the road, but what we want to do is play there. So I believe that there's not too much pressure because we really don't have anything to lose, but I think there's a ton of excitement. I think the kids really truly have a passion for going out there on Tuesday and showing that we do belong to play in Salem and, you know, but they also have to understand it's not, it's not a simple task. Bridgewater's no easy task, that's for sure. Sure, and obviously you guys uh, have recent memory of the five-point win at their place back on the fourth. When you look at this ODAC tournament as a whole, uh, I won't be I won't be one of those who says can you win it all. I don't think that's necessarily fair considering where right. you're where you guys are positioned. But what do you think of the makeup of this conference, and and do you think we might be able to see the whoever comes out, whether it be one or two teams, maybe make some waves in the NCAA tournament? Absolutely, I said it from the gate. Uh, our media day, you know, this conference up and down, we have our strong teams. We have coaches that have worked really, really hard to build their programs and, and have had consistent um, success, you know, and that's the the teams that are at the top. And I've been, I was honored to be a part of growing that Emory and Henry program to, to help it become one of the top teams as well. But to answer your question, I think that anybody can win it this year. I really do. Um, You know, we played, we were down 21 to Lynchburg, in um you know about a month or so ago and we end up losing by 10 i've seen randolph make and beat guilford or randolph make and beat lynchburg at the buzzard you know and they're in the middle of the pack so i just really feel like anybody could could win it this year it's just a matter of who's going to show up on what day and you know it's all about what players the players and what they bring to the table when we show up there one of the bigger tournaments in the ncaa on the conference level the n ODAC tournament kicks off on Tuesday. Everybody heads to Salem. Uh, let's see if I have this right. Uh, women are Friday. 
was it Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Men are Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. We play on Tuesday. We play Friday mm-hmm. right. against Lynchburg. That's right. Um, so we wish you luck with that. Um, certainly. Congratulations on the turnaround this season. And what a heck of a story. Uh, this interview doesn't do it justice. I'm hoping somebody does it better justice down the road. But it's incredible to he- see the weaves and, and which roads you chose and which paths you decided to take and how it's all led you to here. Uh, definitely the road less traveled, uh, I would argue. Um, but certainly, I agree. Um, do you have any regrets not doing going to Navy? Absolutely not. I, I am just so in love with my profession, so in, so infatuated with just getting becoming the best coach I can be. And that's why I say, you know, people like people like um, Andrew Costin and the at South Johnson, Mickey Bridgers and D.D. Jarman at Methodist, who had helped me get the job at Emory and then uh, Rose Katz. All these people played a role in in getting me where I am. And so I. I just, I just like to bloom where, you know, bloom where I'm planted. And right now I'm planted at Randolph and I plan on um, trying to make this program into one of the best in the league. And if not the region. Well, good luck to that. Before we let Thank you go, we want to do the WVCA center court questions. If you don't mind us having a little fun with these. Sure. That's, um, that's literally off the top of your head. Don't overthink them too much, whatever you think of here. And uh, we'll have some fun with it. Okay. So what's your favorite thing about coaching, especially in division three? The passion from the kids, the they're playing for a different reason, um, I think, and they, uh, I love the the atmosphere, and and the kids, yeah. Okay. What's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, lack of effort. That's a good one. I like that yeah. one. What's your favorite rule or nuance to the game? Favorite rule to the game? I, I love the advancement of the all right now. I think it creates a, a, a new atmosphere. It, it makes it a little bit more fun for me to coach. Uh, I think it's hurt me more than it's helped me, but I'm excited <laughs> to use it for to my advantage one day. Okay. Uh, what rule do you want to see added, removed, or changed? Uh, I would say I would like to – people probably will hate me for this one, but I don't like this as how – how how um, the calls on the ball are you can't you you absolutely can't t- play it's very difficult to play on ball defense if you touch at all it's going to be a foul and for me I think it's called a little too tightly at times um, but you know I understand why that's there um, but if for any rules we're going to change loosen up the um, ball pressure rules and try to give a little bit more leniency to the defense okay uh, any pregame ritual or superstition yes. <laughs> and it is it is uh well i listen to some music in my office i always um drink a gatorade before therapy and then i um close my eyes and think about envision the scoreboard in what I want it to look like so it's always gonna i'm always envision the scoreboard reading uh randolph in, in front of the other team um and then time frames of when i go down to the locker room and when I come back out, and so I just follow those every day. And so, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's your tra- craziest travel experience? Craziest travel experience. Well, we went to the Bahamas one year when I was at Emory and Henry, and as fun as that was, we got woken up at o'clock in the morning because we couldn't find one of our players. Oh boy. And so we were about one step away from calling the Coast Guard out that she was in her room but her already her roommate she had gotten back to the room before her roommate had known that she was in there 
So she was in there the whole time. Nothing like sweating it when you don't need to sweat it. <laughs> Almost um, called the Coast Guard Dave. <laughs> How would your assistants describe you as a coach? Passionate and hardworking, I would hope, but very passionate. Um, I think that my most of my I have three incredible assistants on my staff, and uh, I think that they probably say I'm a little too hard on myself. Hmm. Try, they try to shoot me, you know, with these, you know, positive vibes. And sometimes, even after a win, I'm like, "Well, we didn't play hard enough." But um, <laughs> you know, that that's the way I am. So I hear you. Um, what do you tell a recruit to get them excited to commit to Randolph? That's a little bit of a trick question since you're just getting into this. But what, yeah. are, you, what are you telling recruits? It's no different than I told them at all my institutions. It's, um, you know, come be a part of something special. You know, I, I'm very transparent in what I say to them, and, and I let them get to know me as a person. I want to know them as a person. And then it's a matter of, you know, why don't you come here and help us change the culture here? You know, why don't you come help us win a championship? Um, part of something special. Be a part of laying the bricks down for the foundation of what's to come. And I've realized that a lot of, you know, young people like to, like to be a part of that. Um, but there are some that want to go to programs that are already established, and I respect that very much. But but that's what I usually tell them. You know, and Randolph's an incredible institution. It's very hard for teams to be able to compete with that in our area with our academic quality. So Interesting. And finally, when you retire, because all coaches do eventually, and I know it's a long way off, but what do you hope people will remember you as a coach? That I love my players with all of my heart and that um, – you know, I, I kind of live by the stigma of they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so I really, truly, genuinely love my players. Everyone I've ever coached from those boys back in uh, seventh grade, East Lee Middle School to, you know, my time at uh, South Johnson High School to Emory and Henry to last year even. And then now I just truly, genuinely love my my players. Well, well put, Coach. Congratulations on a, a wonderful road and a terrific season, certainly by Randolph standards. We appreciate you taking the time to join us in the WBCA Center Court. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I just appreciate all the support that we've gotten front this year uh, at Randolph and um, around the region. Everywhere I go, no matter who we place, the, the head coach and the staff there and the ADs have always been very genuine about um, recognizing our success uh, even though, you know, 12 and 13 isn't an incredible record, I think that they can see that our energy is different. And so I appreciate that. Well put, Coach. Congratulations again. We'll look forward to seeing how you do in the ODAC tournament. We'll be rooting everybody on, but it'd be great to see uh, Randolph get to the Salem Civic Center. If not, you got another fun year ahead of you, I'm sure. That's, that's right. Awesome, Coach. Thanks so much. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Andrea Kendall joining us on the City of Salem uh, Skype hotline again. In the WBCA Center Court, Randolph again will be taking on Bridgewater at home coming up on Tuesday. Chance to go to the Salem Civic Center and face off against Lynchburg coming up again in that game. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears and talk men's basketball. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville return. Educate your student body, faculty, staff, and local community on how to prevent sexual assault and how to support survivors. To recognize that non-consensual sex is sexual assault. To identify situations in which sexual assault may occur. To intervene in situations where consent has not or cannot be given. To create an environment in which sexual assault is unacceptable and survivors are supported.
Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Hey, welcome back to Hoopsville on this Thursday, uh, Sunday evening. Jeez, certainly isn't Thursday. Don't want to rush ourselves or go back in time. Perfectly fine with Sunday. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Got e emails, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Got one so far uh, that we will get to coming up. And um, so on and so forth. Running a little bit behind, so we'll keep things going here. But also, please don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising efforts. They're pretty important. Had technical difficulties in the show, if you've been watching carefully enough and probably can tell right now. Certainly those things that we need to work on and your donations help us do that to keep this show on the air. Um, so we move into the Atlantic region and certainly the, the Atlantic region is one of those we're going to be watching carefully come selection Sunday in a week uh, and who, the brackets when they come out on Monday. A lot to be decided still, but a lot still up in the air trying to figure it all out. The CSAC's a fascinating race. Newman's certainly gotten much of the attention, but it's a team that used to Prowl the NCAA tournament that's back in the mix as well. Cabrini sits second. And I think neither of those teams want to see who's playing well against at least those two. It's going to be a fascinating CSAC tournament to watch. Well, we want to get a little bit more insight on it. So we go to the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the city of Salem. Salem to join us now there is the Cabrini head coach, Tim McDonald. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Thanks um, for having me. Doing well. Thank you. Uh, 19 and 6 overall. Uh, with a big win over Gwen and Mercy on Saturday, 183. Rosemont tripped you up early in February, 79-78. And I bring that up because they tripped up Newman, but Newman's had your number. It's been an interesting kind of uh, back and forth a little bit. Weave as a in the top half of the CSAC this season. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the top four or five teams in our league have been pretty much in the, in the battle in every game. Um, I think Newman is had a tremendous year. I mean, they are just a physically tough team. They're hard to guard. They really get down and defend. Um, and then Gwen and Mercy has been very good and consistent throughout the year. And then, like you said, Rosemont has been the transformation that uh, Bobby Hughes, who is real name is Bobby Hughes, but everyone calls him Barney. I don't think I've ever called, I don't think I've ever called him Bobby before. Um, but the transformation they've had from the beginning of the year till now, has been incredible. I mean, they've gotten much, much better defensive team than they were. 
early and then going to their place and playing is a tough, tough tour for anyone. Um, if you've never been in that gym, um, it is a tough place to play. Um, and they tripped us up there and then they got Newman, I believe a week after that. Um, so really any, any of the top six teams in our, in our league, they're all six of us are in the conference and really have to bring it every night because it's a pretty competitive league right now. Barney's yelling at his monitor right now. Don't <laughs> be talking about my team. Stop I'm trying to stay under the I'm radar. Sure he is. Um, but you know, what's fascinating is, you know, yes, Newman's been getting the attention. They've gotten the top 25 votes, uh, that loss to Rosemont, I think turned some heads, but they still, you know, are going to walk away with, or they are the number one team heading into the conference tournament. You guys are the number two. What I can't get my pulse on with this conference is, is it that good at the top or is it just that we've gotten so used to the that maybe we just are are very much assuming that yeah you got a couple teams at the top but it's not much to to consider. Do, do you know where I'm coming from? It's it's hard yeah. to read. Yeah, I know. Consistently, the last I've, even the last this is my seventh year at Cabrini. I was an assistant for four years. I think it's fair to say that the the conference has been pretty top heavy. I would say the last couple of years the conference has gotten much deeper um, than the traditional. It's been us, Gwen and Mercy, at the top of the league. Uh, but now you throw Rosemont, Immaculata, and Centner in there. They are very good teams. They're all very well coached. Um, and I believe that it's really helped helped our conference get better from top to bottom. No, we still have some work to do in our conference to continue to get better. And that's something that we continue to talk about. But the coaching in the conference has certainly gotten better. The, the players are getting better. And I think the conference from as a whole is getting much better. And I think it's something that does get overlooked a little bit, um, and sometimes fairly so. But I think... Um, the top half of our conference and can really compete with guys day in and day out. Can you sit there knowing how this all works, having been an assistant on Cabrini's teams that certainly made deep runs the NCAA tournament and know how the selections all work? Can you sit there and look at yourselves sitting third in the region in the last rankings, and granted we have new ones coming out in a few days, and have that, yeah, we're in good spot here, we have a chance at an at-large, or do you look at that and look into the other data and go, no, I think we need to go out there and win the conference if we want to get into this NCAA tournament this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. My way of thinking is I look at we have to win the conference to get into the NCAA tournament. Um, I don't really look at the numbers yeah. too much. I know I know that there would be an outside shot if we got there Saturday, um, but I don't really know the numbers off the top of my head. I don't really look at them. I just – tell our team that our goal is to come in and compete every day, get better every day. Um, and then every, whoever the impo- opponent is in front of us, we're going to give them our best shot, focus in on what we do, try and take away their biggest strength and see if we can come out on top that day. So our goal really moving forward this week is we're looking forward to whoever we, we're going to see who we play uh, after tomorrow night's games and be ready to focus in on Wednesday night and take that game and, Whoever we end up playing Wednesday, we'll focus in on Saturday when that comes. So we'll talk about your team in a minute, but let me let me kind of go through a couple teams in the conference and just give me sure. your take on them. Uh, Newman, you talked about being good. Can you give us a sense of what's made them so good this year? Yeah, I mean, I'll start back by saying the couple years, my first four years as an assistant, we had some really good teams at Cabrini, made some runs in the NCAA tournament, and I really think Newman is really formed to make a run in the NCAA tournament, uh, regardless of how they get there. They're, they have a, a true center who's a really good shot blocker in there. Deshaun Lohman does a little bit of everything for them um, from the guard position. He can shoot from the outside. 
but he's very physical and gets to the rim. And then the biggest X factor for them is uh, Carl Wallace. He's a power forward, and in our league, he's he's very big, he's strong, and he's super athletic, but he can also put the ball on the floor and shoot. Um, so I really think that they have the balance on that team and the toughness to make a run in the NCAA tournament um, or to some of the teams that we've had in the past at Cabrini. Another team that almost isn't getting any attention is Gwyneth Mercy, the team that got to the second sure. round of the NCAA tournament with a big win over Marietta last year. They have the exact same overall record as you guys at 19-6. and six. They're two games back, and you guys just thumped them by 17 on Saturday. Are are they as dangerous as last year? What, what is it about his squad that that's got them third? Sure. I mean, the job that he's done with them has been tremendous. If you looked at their roster from last year, they lost three really good players in uh Coming back, everyone knew that they were going to have Cedric Ellaby and Aaron Goodman for them and kind of mixing in a lot of new faces for them. Um, them to be where they are right now, I think that shows how well the job he's done coaching them and how well the players have responded to them. Um, they are capable of beating anyone in our league. They can really score the ball. They're physical. Uh, they rebound the ball very well. I mean, they killed us on the glass in both games that we played them. Um, we've just been able to outscore them and uh, get some key overs at different times. But they are a very capable team. They can shoot from the outside. They have a couple guys that can really get to the rim. Um, so they're definitely a dangerous team, too. And then finally, Rosemont. It seems like they've got your number. They seem to have Newman's number. Even if they don't win, they certainly give you guys some tough matchups. You told us a little bit about his squad. Mainly, I just want his monitor a little bit more. Uh, what is it about Rosemont that, that makes them so difficult now versus you know when Barney first got there? Sure, I think it's the just the type of players that he has. Those kids, they're going to fight for 40 or more minutes every night. No matter if they're down by 30, you're getting consistent effort from them. I mean, they just play as hard as they can for 40 minutes. He'll put, I think he plays nine or ten guys a game, and regardless of who is on the floor for them, they are very scrappy. They defend as hard as they can. I know he talked about it early in the year with me. He wasn't happy with their effort, but they can really score the ball. So once he got them playing defense a little bit, they're a dangerous team because they can really, really get down. And if you're not ready to play every second of the game, they'll really take it to you. It doesn't matter if you're up 10, they can make a run on you quickly because they'll change that. They press a lot. They'll change their press up. Um, they have some really physical players and their guards are just super quick athletic. Um, so they are another tough, scrappy team that if you're not ready to play for 40 minutes, they will take it to you. That's for sure. Let's talk about your team. You've got one senior on this team, and Ryan Charity, who's third in the team in scoring uh, at uh, 12.3 points a game. Your lead is, uh, is it Tyem? Tyheem. Tyheem Monroe uh, at 22 points a game, uh, 14.5 points a game for Devontae Mosley. You know, obviously, everybody remembers those teams that made the deep runs, and, and you had some incredible players on those squads. Sure. Very different to me. Um, is that a fair assessment? And, and if it is, what makes them so different? Sure, we're a lot different than we were. We don't have the offensive firepower that we had with those teams. What makes us different? I think the group that we have right now, they buy in. They play really well together. They know that it's not going to be as good as Tahim Monroe is, and he's one of the best players, in my opinion, one of the best players in the country. He's not a guy where you're going to give the ball to and say, hey, we need you to go create for you. He, uh, he plays the four and five for us, and we really have to play as a team on both ends of the floor. We don't have that 
one guy such as Aaron Walton Moss or Corey Lemons that can really break a defense down and do things on his own where teams have to double, triple team him um, and get other guys open. Where this team, we really have to focus in, play as a team. We've done a really good job this year sharing the ball, kind of balancing out our scoring effort. And then our compared to a couple the last couple of years, we've really bought in on the defensive end. We defend the three-point line really well. Um, we've done a much better job defending the ball um, than we have in the past and really getting in the good help position. Um, so I really think that's what helps this team. Um, but, yes, it's fair to say that we are completely different from some of those teams that we had back in the earlier part of this decade. When you when you look at your squad, and, and this is to take nothing away of now, and certainly you're playing for something, we'll talk about that. But is this team almost a year early? Um, I don't know. I thought last year I thought we had a chance to get to the tournament. We ran into uh, Gwen and Mercy and Newman. were really good last year. I know Gwen and Mercy ended up winning a game in the NCAA tournament versus Marietta. Um, so I thought last year we had a chance to maybe get there, and we didn't quite reach our goal. I think this year's team, I think they're really focused in on trying to get to the tournament. Really, they, I talked to the guys this afternoon. They're really focused really want to try and get down and win this conference championship to get there. Obviously, we have only one senior listed on our roster. Kane McGovern is listed as a, as a junior, as a senior in the classroom. He's only a third-year junior. He's going to graduate as well. Um, so we really lose two guys. We do have a lot coming back next year. Um, we like what we're doing so far. with. But my focus right now is really on here. And then after this year, sure, we'll build for the future and be ready to go back at it uh, next season. We're looking at the tournament, uh, an interesting one uh, in the sense that four versus five and three versus six, which isn't all that different, except that you will literally reseed it in a sense that you will get the second lowest remaining seed while Newman will get the lowest remaining seed. Thus, any upsets doesn't kind of mess it up too much. In other words, if three gets past six and five gets past four, you'll take on three when in reality in a normal bracket, Newman would get them. Is that harder to prepare for in a sense that you're basically having to prepare for all but one team yeah i mean it's it's harder than uh than normal if you do reseed in our conference tournament but at the same time at this point in the year in our conference i think every team in our conference is pretty pretty well prepared to play anyone in our league um, haven't played everyone twice and for us most of the teams that are we've played pretty recently um obviously uh we have a good chance of potentially playing gwen and mercy again wednesday we just played them on Saturday. Um, so it is important that we focus in on all the, I think the only team that we can't play is Centenary. So the other three teams we really have to be prepared for. Um, so, I mean, at this point, once you get into a conference, I think most of the teams are prepared to, to play everyone at this time. When you look at the changes this conference going through, one thing I've noticed this year is the SOSs are improved. They're not mind blowing, um, yeah. but they're certainly improved numbers. Uh, I know Rowan has played quite a few of, of the CSAC teams, but I'm starting to see the CSAC starting to, to go out there and find new and, and different opponents, as it were. Is that a, is basically a message gone through the conference, at least in the upper half? Because Gwen and Mercy's scheduling different, Newman's scheduling different. We've always known you guys have tried to schedule differently. I'm going to translate into other teams. Is there a message out there that, guys, we've got to do that from top to bottom? Or is it just happenstance and we're just noticing it? No, we, we actually had this conversation two years ago um, in our coaches' meeting. We made sure 
we want to make sure that everyone is scheduling the best potential games for them um, and really want to focus in. Obviously, I've talked to you before about it. Our team, we're willing and, and want to play the best teams that we possibly can within that can fit within our budget and travel constraints. But uh, the rest of our conference has really stepped up, and I think it has become a, definitely been a topic of discussion trying to schedule uh, the best teams for you to help your strength of schedule numbers. Um, and I think our conference is doing that right now, and we need to continue to do that, and it's only going to help our conference continue to get better. It has certainly been a bit of a tide change, as it were. Of course, you're up against basically the MAC Freedom and, and the NJAC. That's not to take anything away from the CUNYAC or the Skyline. Those are the three conferences that are dominating the regional rankings. How much do you look at these rankings and also think in your head strategically when you're scheduling? Sure. I mean, I do look at the rankings. I don't study them as much, but I know for me personally, I want to make sure that not only do we try to play the, the best teams possible, we want to challenge ourselves to play teams that play a different style for us. So I know going into this year, um, I talked to Justin Potts at Moravian. He invited us to play in his tournament. I wanted to make sure that we played them. They press for 40 minutes. We <laughs> wanted to make sure that we play against a team that's completely different style than us. Um, we schedule Scranton every year. Um, they're a big team um, that's completely different from how we play, and our, our styles are complete opposites of each other. And then try to find teams like that. The last couple of years we've played Worcester. Um, this year we played Johns Hopkins and Staten Island. But uh, really want to look to find teams that are not only good caliber opponents for us, but also I want team to play different styles so that we're focused in and ready to play regardless of what style the game gets brought into. Um, when you look, I've, I've asked this of a couple coaches, basically, you know, mm -hmm. is, is the message now changed for this team now that you're entering the CSAC tournament? Is the, is the, the different, or, or are you still driving home the same message you were driving home on October 15th or November 15th or whatever? Yeah, I want to say that we're still driving home the same message that we start off each season. We talk to our guys. Every single thing that we do, we want to try and bring energy, effort, and enthusiasm into. Do that on a consistent basis. You're going to be successful in whatever you do in life. Um, but I think it definitely translates to our team. So that's something that we continue to focus in on. And at this point of the year, we want to make sure that we really focus in and pay attention to every detail, not just in scouting reports on teams that we play, but we on what we do and make sure that we do it to the best of our ability. Um, if we focus in and take care of business on what we can do, we can uh, compete with anyone, we believe. Uh, I noticed your scheduling. I haven't seen your alma mater on, on your schedule as of late. Uh, <laughs> are they scared of you or are you scared of them? <laughs> Neither. We're... We're, we're not scheduled to play a regular season game. I've talked to Kevin. I know him really well. Yeah. Um, but we are scrimmaging them next year. So, oh, let's so see. We'll that's have, the cop-out game. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but it'll be good. Uh, I think they're going to come to us next year, and then I'll get to go back there the year after for the scrimmage, and then we'll see if we can make something work out after that. Nothing, nothing beats being able to, uh, to play a game and walk away not feeling uh, bad about it. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love it. Uh, they're certainly improving as well. If anyone's not familiar, Tim graduated from uh, from her sinus in '03. Um, so, final question: In the sense of this, what are you guys gonna have to do to win the CSAC and get to the NCAA tournament as a, as an AQ? As a, so, right now, obviously, we got to take care of business um, against whoever we end up playing on Wednesday. 
Um, like I said, we got to stay focused and continue to improve on everything that we want to do, um, be razor sharp in that matter. And then regardless of our opponent, we want to make sure that we take away their biggest strength. Um, obviously, I believe that Newman ha is definitely the favorite in our conference. Um, so if we do end up having to match up with them again, um, got to come out. We competed for 40 minutes the last time we played them. I don't think we executed well down the, down the stretch the last three minutes of the game. Um, and they made free throws at the end, which, which was a big help for them. So it's definitely, definitely teams that we can compete with. Um, we just have to be, like I said, razor sharp in what we do and hope that we can come out on top this week. Tim, I can only say this because I know you well. That was about the sure. longest coach speak I've ever heard. I got nothing out of that. <laughs> uh, I apologize for that. <laughs> I got absolutely nothing. Okay, coach. I got it. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate you taking the time, especially filling in last minute. Um, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in? Sure, yeah. I, I know that question was coming up from listening to the show, but uh, <laughs> first and foremost, Dave, I want to thank you for having me again. Um, thank you for all that you do to promote Division Three basketball. I know I truly appreciate it, and so does everyone else that's fans of yours and the show. Um, second, to all the, the coaches, the players um, that may be listening, I just hope that everyone takes the time, especially at this time of year, to appreciate what your team does on a daily basis. I know for me, my team is bigger than just my basketball team, so I want to make sure that give a shout-out to my family, make sure that they know that I appreciate everything that they do for me and ha what they've done for me to allow the opportunity to coach at this level. Thank my coaching staff uh, for everything that they do for me. Thank the administration at Cabrini for all they do to help with our program, um, our fans and alumni for coming out and supporting us. And most of all, I want to make sure I give a shout-out to my players. I thank them truly. I talked to Taheem Monroe this afternoon um, really how proud I was of this team and how proud I am to be their coach, getting to come to work every day and have as much fun as we do as a team and as well working as hard as they do. I think it's really important to make sure that they all know how important they are at this time. And so with playoffs coming up now, it's time to begin the second season, per se. And then we got to just make sure that we practice and play each day to become the best team that we can. Well said, sir. I love that one. Very well said. Uh, congratulations, as I said, on the season so far. Good luck in the in the tournament, and uh, we'll look forward to be uh, not only talking about the Cavs, uh, hopefully uh, for a few more weeks here, but certainly next season as well. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it again. Absolutely. Take care, Tim McDonald. Right, joining uh, Tim McDonald joining us on the uh, City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. We're going to take a break here and come back and wrap things up, but quickly again. Uh, Cabrini will be waiting out either for the three, four, or five seed in the CSAC as they reseed. The only team they can't get is number six. So we'll see how that turns, how they play out. Um, it's going to be a fascinating finish in the CSAC. I think it's a little bit more competitive than people realize and more competitive than I had realized, to be honest. I know I've had Newman in and out of the top 25, that, uh, but you know, the rest of that conference is certainly competitive. Um, I'll be fascinating to see how this all turns out. And good to hear that the conference is, is effort to um to improve scheduling as well gonna take a break when we come back we'll wrap up the show answer one question that's in the mailbag uh and take a look at what we got ahead in the next couple of shows you listen to hoops hope presented by d3hoops.com from the wbca and abc studios more hoops will after this i used to never really talk ever uh, i was afraid if i said something wrong everyone would laugh at me but then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. 
It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. At George Fox University, our promise is that every student personally, academically, and spiritually. To be known means professors and staff know you by name. It means you're valued, encouraged, and challenged. It means we'll listen to you and with you as you pursue God's call in your life. At George Fox University, you will never be a number. You will be known. Visit georgefox.edu to learn more. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoops. So let's wrap up this show on Sunday evening. A couple things to get to. First and foremost, please don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising efforts. Um, we would really appreciate any assistance you could give to that. Plenty of information on our show page. There's information on our Twitter account. There's information on our Facebook account. There's nowhere you can't find it. It's even on our Instagram page today. Please consider donating. We are only 12% of the way to our goal, and we got nine days left. Whatever can uh, be done would be greatly appreciated. We'll certainly make our efforts as much as we can this um, this weekend or this week as we close it out. A um, couple questions we got during the show that I'll try and answer. First off, hope can't lose Friday, says Andrew. I'm assuming he's talking about the men. He Probably not. I think he's worried about them not getting in. I don't know if they don't get in. They were third in the regional rankings with a loss. They're likely to fall. I'm sorry, that's women. I apologize. I don't have the rankings in front of me. They were second, weren't they? Um, but I think that's true across the board. I mean, Oswego State took a loss week, and, and I think that hurts them. They, I think they were marching towards possibly getting a chance to host the opening weekend and kind of hose themselves. Let's look at that top 25. And, and on the men's side, it was the usual carnage all over again. We talked about number four, Eau Claire, losing on Thursday. Rochester losing today to Case Western Reserve 76-76, which gave Wash U the championship. Uh, for the UAA, put Rochester in the pool seat. Rochester is going to get in, not too worried about it, but it's just yet another loss. Uh, Salisbury, horrible week, uh, losing two, not only to St. Mary's, but then goes go to Frostburg and lose their 86-80. Now, those are two tough teams to play and at their locations, but Salisbury is now 19-6. and six. Um, They were in decent shape in the in the region, in a, in a deep region, now they put themselves in a little bit of a bind. And I'm telling you right now, I called this six weeks ago. There was something about this team that I like, something that concerns me. And the Seagulls are showing it right now. I know they're banged up. I know they've been dealing with illnesses. A lot of teams have. But they're supposed to be better than this. 
They now have no wiggle room. I think they've got to get to the CAC championship game to put themselves in position, but they're going to be bubble. And, and Salisbury has done it to themselves. These are winnable games, even with injuries. And, and I think Salisbury has hurt, done nothing but hurt themselves. We'll see if they even stay in the top 25. They're now 19 and six. I can't, they'll definitely fall from number 11. I just don't know how far they'll fall. Susquehanna at least took the loss and beat Elizabethtown, though I believe Scranton will be the number one bid in the landmark conference, number one team in the landmark conference. So Susquehanna lost a chance of being the home squad. Um, Hope lost to Calvin in overtime, 65-62. This is what Andrew was alluding to. If they were to lose in the conference tournament, they would pick up a sixth loss. That's where I think they're okay. They have more wins in Salisbury. Their SOS is a little bit better. They're not in as deep. Well, no, they're about as deep a, comp, a region as the Mid-Atlantic. I think Hope's in better shape than Salisbury, but certainly that loss to Calvin, maybe we should have seen it coming. Kind of alluded to it in our interview, uh, Coach uh, Greg Mitchell, about the fact that when you have, you know, Calvin has a lot they were playing for, too. Uh, Whitewater, we mentioned, lost to Oshkosh. They at least got back in the win column while beating Eau Claire 70-68. I like Eau Claire. But Eau Claire just cannot put games together. They keep uh, stubbing their toe. It, it baffles me. Uh, Eau Claire now with seven losses on the season, a team I thought could get in the NCAA tournament. They were pretty well positioned, too. They may have now just killed their chances. And in a large would mean eight losses. And I just don't know if Eau Claire can get in, which may have maybe beneficial to others because the WIAC won't take any bids, as we were many predicting. We mentioned Amherst lost to Williams, uh, 76-69. They now have they're now their record is now 17 and 7. That's it. 17 and 7. Here's where my concern with Amherst is they don't have a lot of wins. They're gonna go up against seven 19 and 20, 20 wins this season, and they're gonna be three wins behind. You start playing that 0.03 to, to two games ratio, and and Amherst is starting in a hole. They didn't make up their game against Rhode Island College, and they didn't get far in the NESCAC tournament. That's why I think Amherst is in a little bit of trouble here with a 708 winning percentage. That's where I'm concerned. They don't have enough wins. If we were to take their SOS and compare it to somebody else's who's got a lower SOS, and let's say we add two games, because now they're 19 and 7 or 19 and 5, compared to a team that was maybe 20 and 7. So now that other is uh, 18 and, you know, or 20 and 5, 18. And, it starts to get murky. That's why I'm worried about Amherst a little bit. Um, Swarthmore lost to Franklin and Marshall, who thumped them 93 66 on Saturday. Swarthmore doing themselves absolutely no favors, despite the fact I think they had already wrapped up the number one. Augustana lost to North Park. There's a chance at a four way tie. I think in the I in the CCIW, or at least I was reading about that, uh, or maybe that's gone now as of Saturday. I don't remember. I got a little bit behind on the chat boards. Wesleyan lost to Trinity, fifty-one forty-nine. Wesleyan in trouble. But think about this: Wesleyan's nineteen and six. Amherst is seventeen and seven. Wesleyan's got two added wins there that are the, to a benefit, and over Amherst. So Wesleyan, I think, is in better shape than. Amherst and Amherst might be in big trouble. Uh, Claremont Scripps lost again to Cal Lutheran. At least they beat Chapman, but the Skyac down to definitely one bid. 
Guilford lost, as we mentioned, but at least beat Bridgewater on Saturday. MIT lost to Babson. That was the team that Babson had to hit the three-pointer at the end. That may help T, but they're definitely a bubble team. Brockport lost to Cortland and then beat Oswego, 80-75. The Suniac, as much as people like to talk about how good the conference is and the ability for anybody to win, I always say, yes, that's good to a point. The top teams need step away, though, and, and be better than the rest. When Brockport's losing to Cortland and then beating Oswego, they're not doing anybody any favors. Ohio Wesleyan uh, continues to win, beat Wittenberg and Allegheny, and beat Allegheny handily. Uh, we mentioned Eau Claire. They beat River Falls, lost to Whitewater. Conversation about what the heck's going on with Eau Claire. Oswego beat Geneseo, then lost to Brockport. They're going to be in a tough bind now. I basically got told Oswego is probably marching themselves to the number two seed in the East region, which would have been a pretty good chance at hosting, not a guarantee, but a good chance at hosting. Pretty much ended that, I think, at this point. And, and the Suniac may have ended a chance at a second bid. Uh, John, because basically, let's say Brockport and Oswego get to the championship game. Someone's coming out with a seventh loss. And someone's coming out, you know, with a tougher resume. John Carroll lost to Capital 76-75. I think John Carroll now put their pool C chances in a real bind in the last year of Mike Moran's career. Uh, John Carroll might not make the tournament. And John Carroll came in this season looking like a darn good team. I almost wonder if they if they messed with the chemistry too much. And it's a complete theory. I have checked with nobody, but I've said this before. I almost wonder if Mike was allowing his son Pete to coach a little bit more because he was trying to set up his son to coach the team and take over the team. Whether that happens or not is to be debated. There's there's plenty of arguments to either side. And I have no idea if this is actually accurate, but it feels this way, that maybe that screwed up the chemistry a little. I don't know. But John Carroll's in trouble in making the tournament. They lose in the next round. They're going to be 17 and 8. I don't think they make they don't make it. I'll, I'll go out on a limb right now. They're 17 and 8. They don't make the tournament. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan came apart at the seams. 16 and 8 now. Lost two to Wheaton and North Central this week. Out of the out of the conference tournament. So they go from regionally ranked now to out of the conference tournament. Illinois Wesleyan's chances probably not going to be to get in. By the way, I said they were regionally ranked. I don't think they actually were. I may have completely misspoke on that. I'm now digging out my uh, regional rankings here. Uh, no, they were. They were set, right? Uh, I don't think they'll be regionally ranked next week or this week. Ohio Northern lost to Marietta. Not a surprise there. St. John Fisher got three big wins this week over Elmira, Stevens, and Hartwick and had to use overtime in both of those second two games against Stevens and Hartwick. Those were both on the road, but it secures St. John Fisher controlling the conference tournament place. St. Thomas at least ended their losing streak by beating St. Mary's and Concordia Moorhead. And Carrollton, who was getting one vote, won all three. I know who that vote was, by the way. Quickly on the women's side, not as much carnage. Hope lost to Trine. Hope is... I think lost control if I'm not conference tournament as a result. Uh, that's the second time Hope's gone into the to the last game of the season and lost it. Last year they had an undefeated season on the line and lost it to Calvin. But I believe Trine now will control the MIA tournament. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Mary Washington, we mentioned lost to Marymount earlier in the week. At least they beat Wesley to get back in winning ways. Whitman lost to George Fox, 65-62. That means George Fox will play Whit. We already knew George Fox and Whitman would be playing each other 
in the conference semifinals. This means it will be at George Fox, and that is going to be key for George Fox to try and move up in the regional rankings. Don't be surprised if they do, and maybe that win secure the Northwest with a better chance at three teams getting in on the women's side. I think that big. I think that is a huge win for George Fox because they're now tied with Puget Sound, both twenty-one and four overall. Though that is not their Division three records. Uh, Geneseo, by the way, finished the season undefeated at 25-0. Are you kidding me, Geneseo? What that program has been through, and to finish the season undefeated at 25-0, hats off to the Knights. Outstanding. They will host the conference tournament. Messiah lost to Albright. Albright swept Messiah this year. There was someone telling me that Messiah was going to go undefeated in the conference. I said, watch out for Albright. Watch out for Stevenson. Well, Messiah got past Stevenson. They didn't get past Albright twice. Albright beat him this time, 70 to 63. Uh, that's it in the top 25. The receiving votes category, Illinois Wesleyan lost to North Central. We talked about that earlier. Texas Tyler lost to Texas Dallas. Whitewater lost earlier in the week to Oshkosh. No surprise there. Stevens Point lost to Lacrosse. So the WIAC on the women's side's gotten a little beaten up as well. The question I got in my email was about Emory. The question was, from Peyton, and thank you, Peyton, for the email. Will a win over Rochester on Saturday secure Zimmerman's fifth straight NCAA tournament with Emory with a loss or no? Well, first off, with a loss, no. Emory, Emory's not going to walk away or get into the tournament uh, with a loss next week. Um, currently, they were ranked this week in the four spot, which is my danger spot. Um in the South region. Cause I I'm not so sure it's that deep. I don't think Laterno at five gets in. I know Randolph making it six won't get in Maryville at seven. Thus wouldn't get in either. So Emory's right on the bubble line. Um, they at least beat case Western reserve and Carnegie Mellon this week. And with the B with Concordia losing ahead of them, will Emory move up? I, I don't know if they necessarily do. So let's just keep Emory at four. A win next week over Rochester will help immensely and give Emory a better argument, though I'm not positive they can get in. A loss, I think, kills them. I absolutely think a loss will kill them. Um, so we'll see what happens. But my And the game's at Rochester, so that's in Rochester's favor. My gut tells me if they lose, Emory's on the outside looking in. If they win, they at least are in the conversation. But it depends on how the rest of the South region, and it's a weaker South region this year, works out. Um, I think that's about it on, on a lot of our questions. So let's talk about programming a little bit. Um, Thursday, we will have um, our normal show at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Normally on Thursdays, we talk to East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and uh, West region teams. We may or may not stick to that. We're going to try and pay attention a little bit to the conference tournaments and see what we can get. Also, some teams may be playing on Thursday, which will we'll kind of wrinkle it, where we actually then may dive into some reporters and get some takes on some of the conference tournaments ahead. So Thursday is going to be a little bit of a hodgepodge show. Just stick with us. We'll find some good guests, and uh, you'll know what's going on. Sunday show, again, It will. we've gone on as early as 6. We're looking to maybe even go on earlier than that. We will make a decision earlier this week. 
Uh, we'll have guests on that show. We'll also do our sections, most likely starting with the men and then the women, selecting those teams, and then uh, they'll bracket it overnight, and we'll release that information. And then remember, a week from Monday, the brackets are announced. I have been asked to be part of that uh, announcement as the analyst. I am looking forward to that once again. We will then uh, follow that with a special show on that Monday as well. So that's how you got it. I want to thank all of our guests for appearing on the show tonight. They included uh, Maya Smith from Illinois Wesleyan, Stan uh, Bonowitz from Concordia, Texas, Matt Descharm from Mass Dartmouth, Kendall, uh, Andrea Kendall from Randolph, and Tim McDonald from Gabrini. I want to thank their sports information staffs as well for their help. Certainly appreciate everything that people do to help us get on the air and be a part of your lives in governing Division Three the way we do. Please, please, please don't forget about the fundraiser. We have put a link uh, up at the top of the uh, of the of the. Um, apologize uh, at the top of our Facebook page. We will do so with Twitter as well. Please consider helping us. Um, with the show. By the way, hitting our goal is important too because it means less fees, which means we get to keep more of the money that is donated. That's going to do it. Thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We'll be back on Oh, Wednesday afternoon. We'll be on the air shortly after the regional rankings are released. The first regional rankings were released about, I want to say, 1.30-ish, 1.45, so we're on the air before 2 o'clock Eastern time. Last week, they were released about 2.30, 2.45, so we weren't on air until about 3 o'clock Eastern time. It's all depending on when those rankings get we hope we'll be on the air again about uh two to two or three o'clock in the afternoon and go through them and answer your questions then on the air thursday at seven on the air sunday late afternoon early evening and then on the air monday afternoon as well a lot of hoops fill ahead and we hope you'll appreciate the efforts and we hope you enjoy the shows if you've been listening to the hoops yes and you have questions that you want answered email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com that's hoopsville at d3hoops.com thanks for tuning in everybody Glad you enjoyed it, and we'll be back here on Wednesday afternoon. Good night, everybody.